What? Hey, wake up, man. What's wrong with you? Oh. Oh, shit, it's you. Hey, you should have been with me last night, man. You won't believe what happened. Oh, hey, man, I was on a UFO. I really was, man. Yeah. You never tasted this before, man. Hey, try this, man. Uh, try to blow your head off. No! Okay, I am number six, and this is TMP Live, and I am here with TMP contributor Lisa Belanger. Lisa, how are you feeling this week? You want to say hello to the people? Hey, yep, it's a, it's a Friday, and uh, I'm going to show gratitude for being able to be here with you. I appreciate that, Lisa. Um, I'm definitely uh, feeling the gratitude for for you and every member of the TMP crew, uh, which is growing day by day. Um, we'll probably have some more exciting announcements within the next uh, few weeks and or months uh, whenever it comes to what TMP is doing um, in order to expand not not just um, our our staff here, <laughs> if you want to call it that, at TMP. But then also uh, the ways in which um, we can go about getting our material and, and promoting it out there and everything. Um, I know AM Wake Up also has some big things in, in the near future too uh, to announce. So uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, be be uh, on the look for that. But um, yeah, it's 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 an exciting time uh, right now. We are um, in a place in the world. Uh, where it seems like things are ramping up and getting crazier and it's not even 2024 yet. And I think most folks that are listening to this stuff are probably steeped in this enough to know that, uh, well, general election years get rather fucking crazy. So, um, and with that, I mean, let's, uh, transition into, uh, this week's monologue. So here it goes. If you've ever been in a car crash and had time seemingly slow down, you know, that time is relative. Something that could be so precisely measured as a second can seem much longer. What is it about us as human beings that creates such a reaction to danger? We all choose to engage in this political conversation in various ways. Some of us listen, learn, and share this kind of content, and some of us decide to speak. There is no difference really between us. Many of you listening are far superior in knowledge and maybe even in the ability to communicate. So why doesn't everyone follow the same path as I here? Because that's the choice people make with their time. It takes an incredible amount of time ultimately to build a channel like this, one that I'm on now. And um, 
the bastards that run most platforms these days don't make it any easier. Now, when I set out to do this, the stories I wanted to cover were never meant to be personal ones, but the mission was personal. I enjoy talking to folks and picking up new things. And politics is always something that fascinated me thanks to my father's discussions with friends around the dinner table and at parties. Now that I'm his age, when I started listening, I can imagine what my father would say to his friends on a show like this about what we are living through today. We are all undoubtedly shaped by people like my father that helped develop my personality that you are hearing now. His voice, his choice of words, cursing included, gave me a template to grow into my own person. And I'm really thankful to have my dad around to still talk about things like what we're going to be talking about today. The world the past few years has become hyper-political. Every kneeling football player, every masked tard, and every warmonger is given a platform by the global corporatist oligarchy to shape who we are. Taking the role similar to my father's in my life, the media in all of its various forms set out to take a generation and mold it into their fascist desires. And boy, have they ever succeeded. I'm not here to rain on anyone's parade, and I'm proud of TMP and the people we work with, but we are in the minority in this world. The people who are aligned with us, myself included, are still bound to the same dependencies and systems that the GCO has used to create the modern world that we live in. Now, I'm not saying that we can't reject what we've been force-fed as a culture and that we cannot grow in numbers because even with all of the shadow banning and other means of suppression, TMP and AM Wake Up grows every single day. Person by person, inch by inch, we take back our individual sovereignty. But something is coming. We all know it. We all feel it. And it's up to us, all of us, to hopefully avoid that moment when time slows down and we witness an event so destructive that if we survive and we and other future generations probably won't recognize the human beings of the past. I imagine the people who understand architecture being made to watch a skyscraper being built in the wrong manner, wrong academically and with piss poor material and not being able to stop it because they are made to watch this happen from a glass prison. The windows of communication having closed prevent any who are in the know about what's going to ultimately occur if something isn't done or never heard from. The silence leads to the collapse. The screams from the prison are never heard as it falls. And those who perish in it experience those moments. Then as soon as the dust settles, they start working on the next person in that prison's building and the next. And without fail, the engineered collapse happens over and over again. The platforms TNP exists on are dwindling. BitChute has lost its payment processing and had to switch to its own. The view counts there have dropped significantly, and not just for me, but for much larger audiences like the gentleman I'll be speaking with today. Those gentlemen being from Europe, which has traditionally set the trends for us here in America. I wonder how much longer names like Europe and America will last. 
What I've witnessed over the past several years since about 2016 is that Europeans will suffer the censorship, censorship, suppression, and oppression before it comes here. During the pandemic, that destructive force landed on our shores. It destroyed the America and the people of it that I grew up with and that I believed in. But I saw it coming because I watched those policies unfold across the sea. We're still in that battle now as I see mandates resurface and swabbing of airline passengers increases again, just in time for the holiday season. We haven't learned. We haven't won the war. And the majority of the people that surround us in the world outside of shows like this still don't acknowledge it's even happening. By design, I'd say. Because if those people felt how myself and my guests today and all of you feel, we know it wouldn't be going down this way. So today, we take our time and our individual personalities and our knowledge to talk about what we can do to avoid being in that glass prison, watching the horrors unfold around us until that horror slows down time for us and delivers us to the blackness and what's beyond it. For those who see the engineers plot to destroy what humanity has left. After the 20th century, this may be our last hope to preserve what's even considered human. To build our own structures that are sound enough to weather what the natural world and our own kind would use to destroy it. And to take what we've been given by our predecessors, like the great fathers and teachers we've had, to become them ourselves in our own way while there's still time. And that's this week's monologue. Drop a six in the chat if you feel me. All right, Lisa, let's uh, let's roll into the first of the big four this week, shall we? Um, I set aside a couple articles I wanted to talk to you about before we're being joined by our guests. Uh, we should have uh, Silas Guthier from Silas Speaks, um, the great uh, bit shoot rumble and YouTube channel. And uh, I guess you can still find his stuff on Odyssey, even though who fuck even knows what's happening with Odyssey anymore. Um, but uh, I did pull uh, this one. Oh, that's the wrong folder. I changed shit around. Go me. Okay. And uh, let's bring this up, shall we? Now, this is from a website called Honest Reporting. Now, I don't know much about this organization but i'm gonna say that they're biased <laughs> i don't know by whom or through whose money um we know that how that fucking works uh, in this game um not just it doesn't look like some schmo just set up this website lisa and just decided to become a journalist right <laughs> um it looks like this is uh, somewhat put together professionally so um, let, let's read on, though. For, for those listening, uh, this is Broken Borders, AP, and Reuters. Pictures of Hamas atrocities raise ethical questions. And it says uh, in the subtext here on October 7th, Hamas terrorists, bleh, Hamas terrorists were not the only ones who documented the war crimes. It's funny how they use that term. They had committed during their deadly rampage across southern Israel. Some of their atrocities were captured by Gaza-based photojournalists working, and then it just ellipses off. Great. Um, 
so it says that committed their uh, yes uh, crimes that committed during their deadly rampage across southern israel israel some of their atrocities were captured by gaza-based photojournalists working for the associated press and reuters news agencies whose early morning presence at the breach border area raises serious ethical questions now i wonder what those could be lisa and um uh, first off i mean lisa anymore do you expect any honest or ethical journalism to even come out of shit organizations like the associated press and reuters because can that actually even exist together yeah. Isn't it sort of even an oxymoron, even putting them together uh, when it comes to that shit? So, I mean, I, I mean, give, given given credit for for shit journalism where shit journalism credit is due. I mean, Associated Press and Reuters have not been great to uh, the the people around the world. I'd say for the past several years, if not decades. So, um, I don't mind uh, even a biased or slanted or paid, totally bought and paid for organization like this to go after those organizations but here's my problem already with this lisa going after the photojournalists that are employed by these organizations for documenting things why is that an ethical problem i mean should they be biased in the sense where like they should see something say something and tell the the appropriate israeli authorities of what's about to occur in a war between them and not even a nation that they recognize, but a nation that they occupy. Question well, more? I think what they, I think the 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 what this seemed to be the articulated concern is perhaps the timing of knowing to already be there. I think that may may be the uh, the big elephant in the room, you know. Oh well, that's the other thing too. Dead men tell no tales, right? <laughs> so if you had a bunch of, let's say, Hamas terrorists, let's, let's just give them, you know, <laughs> give them their premise, right? And let them fuck themselves with it, right, <laughs> right Lisa? So here, here's their premise, is that these, these terrible Hamas terrorists that are going to carry out these acts, do these horrible things that have now been somewhat documented on other websites that we put on last week's source list. And I... I I put that on there, Lisa, but I can't even really, I can't, I can't watch those videos. It's so fucking disgusting to watch any of that stuff. But let's just say that Hamas wasn't supported by, um, you know, BB. <laughs> and let's just say that this was a completely organic attack that was perpetrated by people that had organized and got, got their funding from all the, all the rest of the axis of evil. And they want to carry out these attacks. If you're part of the Associated Press and Reuters and you're embedded in areas like Gaza and you're surrounded by this, supposedly, um, are you supposed to, you know, what, who, who, who are you going to call as Ghostbusters would, would, would bring up? You know, like, what, are, are you supposed to call BB and be like, hey, they're about to do that thing? <laughs> I mean, do, do, you have a, do you have a hotline? Is there a red Batman phone around that you could just pick up? Like, how would you even communicate that? Are you going to run up to uh, the uh, Palestinian Palestine uh Israel border, which I heard is pretty um pretty locked down, pretty beefy. You're just gonna run up there waving a flag saying, Hey, I got information for you all over there. Like, how does what do they expect these people to actually do? And then also, if you're embedded by your company to be in the middle of this shit show, 
Um, do you think that ratting out the evil terrorists that are going to like, you know, put babies in microwaves and shit like that, you think ratting them out is going to help ensure your safety? I mean, can we rely yeah. on the authorities to protect whistleblowers, Lisa? <laughs> does, it make, does it make you want to bang uh, your head off a fucking wall sometimes thinking about that? You know, <laughs> it's just I mean, it's unbelievable what they, well, I don't know what they expect these people to do. I mean, if they if they can't if if they can't rely on the, say, the, the women and children occupying all the buildings that are being currently, you know, bombed, bombed to shit. I mean, can they rely on the reporters there? They're embedded doing their jobs in journalism to be, you know, that are supposed to be objective. They aren't supposed to take sides really. Cause I mean, just going back to, you know, that, that whole thing and the, the discussion that we had with our friend Ken Silva too, about journalism uh, months ago. I mean, what, what would they have these people do? Is, is there a terrorism tip line? I mean, maybe there is, I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there is, but if if you're like an embedded uh, photojournalist and you call in that tip line, what happens to you? And then, speaking of what happens to you, um, well, now that articles like this are being written, I mean, do you think it might get to somebody in Hamas that the embedded photojournalists are now like a liability to them because they're being called upon by other forces? say outside of even Israel, like websites like this and other websites in the West um, to condemn uh, following uh, whatever actions in the, in those embedded camps were like, if, if they're going to do that, aren't they damning those people? Aren't they damning anybody that would be objective and want to be a, a, a true war correspondent, like a true war journalist? I mean, anybody that would take, that role now, um, after seeing something like this, like if you have the type of bone in your body for whatever reason, I've, I, mean, I can't I really identify with it because I wouldn't want to be surrounded by this bullshit. I can't even watch <laughs> no, the, right. Like you can, oh, I mean, oh. really, is, can you can money really, you know, uh, <laughs> make this palatable? I don't know. No, there there ain't a paycheck in the world that can get my ass over there right now, and I'm sure that that goes the same for you. But also, speaking of you, Lisa, I mean you you've seen what it does to be around such destruction, not in the physical form such as this as much, but you know through your experience at family courts, which we're going to expand upon more in this show in the next few weeks too, um, with, along with some really awesome guests uh, to help with it. But um, you know you you know what it does to your psyche to be surrounded by that crumbling uh, artifice like like I explained in the monologue right like you've seen it you've seen the, the law system crumble and fail and destroy people and go after people and target people this same exact way like this isn't just specific to journalism <laughs> i mean if you if you dare take the wrong side in anything they're going to come for you in various ways and they have all kinds of means to do it don't they lisa oh Yep, they make your life a living hell, that's for sure. So let's explore this a little bit more, shall we? Um, I'm gonna zoom in a little bit more so it's easier for the watching audience now. There we go. Beautiful. So now the article goes on to ask, what were they doing there so early on? What would ordinarily have been a quiet Saturday morning? Was it coordinated with Hamas? Did the respectable wire services 
which publish their photos, approve of their presence inside enemy territory? Who's enemy? <laughs> okay. Do you see where I'm starting to say, like, I'm not defending Hamas. <laughs> All right. I don't think violence is a good idea on any side. Okay. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cheer for either side in this. Uh, whenever it comes to the use of violence or, or the use of terrorism in order to uh, suppress people or to get them to do things for you or get them in line. Um, I don't think that that's good when a state does it, just like I don't think it's good when a, a bunch of people wearing fucking ski masks do it, okay? Um, it doesn't fucking matter to me if it's public or private in this case. It all fucking sucks, and it shouldn't exist. Um, it's a terrible part of our humanity that we even do shit like this to one another, okay? But as, as someone that grew up with the understanding, at least, that journalism is supposed to be objective, I, I, again, what the what do they what would they expect these people to do and this is again coming from a website called honest reporting so now it says um did the photojournalists who freelance for other media like cnn and the new york times i.e read in um the intelligence agencies uh notify these outlets uh judging from the pictures of lynching kidnapping and storming of an israeli kibbutz it seems like the border has been breached, not only physically, but also journalistically. Now, I would somewhat agree with that statement, Lisa. And here's why. Going back to the CNN and New York Times thing. I mean, I don't think anyone in this audience relies on those outlets to give them fair and unbiased reporting, right? Like, we don't expect them to be fair and objective in any fucking way. And in fact, if, if you do fall or trace the steps there... I'm sure it comes back to something of the sort of what I mentioned before of these being, you know, outlets that are rather cutouts or controlled by the intelligence agencies that sort of make these types of happenings happen, um, that create the collapse of societies um, that, and governments that throw elections in people's favor and, um, you know, not only take advantage of those topple governments, but install our own puppet governments and then also... Uh, set up industries over there to exploit those puppet governments. I mean, we didn't have any type of relief uh, during COVID from CNN or the New York Times. I mean, and would we ever get any relief from them during a, a wartime, which America certainly, like, or supposedly, I should say, not certainly, uh, supposedly has a, a a role in? Like, we're being at, we're being asked as a nation uh, once again. Um, that we have another good war that we must fight because the bad guys attack first. Oh, gee, doesn't that sound kind of like Ukraine shit? Um, history rhymes, doesn't it? Seems like they're, they find a play that they know that's you know going to exploit the weakness in our defensive line, Lisa, right? <laughs> to use a football reference, and they just spam that play. <laughs> like an old Madden game where you could just, you know, once you find out that one little trick that you could do, you're going to score every time. Um, it just seems like this is another one of those cases to me. Now, it says, judging from the, uh, we already read that, it says, um, AP journalists or infiltrators? <laughs> Photojournalists or infiltrators? It says, four names appear on AP's photo credits from the Israeli Gaza border area on October 7th. And they name these fucking people. Here's a list. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Now, I mean, do you think 
that if you're a photojournalist and you're in a sensitive area like the Gaza Israeli border, <laughs> that being doxxed on a website like this is a little bit of a liability. I mean, I mean, you're already in a, a pretty awful situation whenever it comes to being able to get out of there alive in the first fucking place. But I don't think this is making it any easier, Lisa. I mean, why don't, why don't they just make a list of like anti-Zionist dissidents and post that here too? Why don't, why wouldn't they do that? Just, just make the list long, you know, just anybody, anybody that's looking at this fair and objectively or talking about it in a fair and objective way, podcasters included like us, but you know, why, why don't you just make a big fucking list, right? A big blacklist. Doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, these, these same tactics, this, this, um, intimidation, like, who are these people to think that, that, that this is going to be a good thing to do? Now, on top of that, it says one of the persons, because I'm not going to even try to pronounce these fucking names because this is going to end up being a shit show with that too. But it says one of them, as a freelancer who also works for CNN, crossed into Israel, took photos of a burning Israeli tank, and then captured infiltrators entering uh, Kibbutz Kafar Aza. Okay. What else was he supposed to do? Like set off some flares? Call AAA? You know, see if the tank guy needed any help? Like what the what the fuck was he supposed to do? He's he's a freelance journalist. Freelance I know, God being, says, doc, documenting what's happening. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah. And freelance? I mean, I'm sure he's not rolling a dough there, judging from that term, right? I mean, if you're over there, you ain't over there for the money, honey. You're 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 probably over there for something else, I'm guessing. Now, if that's propaganda, maybe. Um, especially if they're working for CNN. But um, God, I still don't get why they're going after New York Times and CNN, other than the fact of maybe pointing out, just maybe, um, that when you see, and I could, there we go. Now that the audience can get that photo, I think this is the photo that was taken of the burning tank. Wow. Now, it doesn't look like there's a whole hell of a lot else going on in this area and that looks like a border wall to me in the back doesn't it doesn't that look like trump's wall that he was supposed to build hmm interesting I idea it got rerouted <laughs> yeah i got rerouted yeah interesting idea but um yeah and i mean, to tell you the truth i mean it doesn't look as if the destruction is all that bad i mean maybe the tank guy made it out hopefully i mean i, I want everybody to survive this shit i'm not wishing death upon people but it said Palestinians celebrate the destruction of an Israeli tank at the border fence between Israel and Gaza Strip, east of Khan Yunus, during a surprise attack on Israel uh, Saturday, October 7th, 2023. And this is AP photo. I mean, does it, I mean, I guess they're celebrating. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to tell somebody's motivations from a still photo, isn't it, Lisa? Like, if this is all the evidence that you had in court, like, look at these evil bastards celebrating this. We got a guy that's, like, adjusting his hat. We got some burning shit in the background. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. Uh, no one. No one. I mean, we're not seeing any dead. We're not seeing any carnage. I don't see any limbs just laying anywhere. You know, this isn't like the other shit that Israel puts on their website. So, and then we see people sitting on top of the tank. Like, what are they doing? I mean, is, is it just like me? And they'd just be like a curious passerby. And they'd be like, I want to know what the inside of the tank looks like. You know, like, like maybe they're just like that. How do how do we know that these are the bad guys? Even, oh, do oh, I know how. 
maybe through all the facial identification, uh, iris scanning, palm scanning, fucking uh, uh, heart rate uh, monitoring through through even walls tech type of technology that we have, and, you know, that we're not supposed to know about, but we know about. So God knows what they really do have um, or just, uh, you know, just plain old like recognition from photos like this. Like they they have huge databases um, and also DNA databases like they're in Israel. I mean, they they weren't the lab of the world for no fucking reason, were they? I mean, they're going to use an incredible level of technology like the world has never seen before and probably supplied to them by not only our government here in, in the U.S., but then also all these wonderful private, quote unquote, companies um, that uh, provide this type of technology, as we've learned through, um, well, the vaccines. So now, um, as we roll down here, we have another one that says, Palestinians from the Gaza Strip enter Kibbutz Kafar Aza on Saturday, October 7th, and the militant Hamas rulers of the Gaza Strip carried out an unprecedented multi-front attack on Israel at daybreak Saturday, firing thousands of rockets as dozens of Hamas fighters infiltrated the heavily fortified border. Now, here's where I have a problem. <laughs> this term, heavily fortified border. <laughs> if we're to believe, let's go back up here. If we're to believe that border walls and security measures and like just any anything from like the a, a government's ability to snoop into your personal communications, your psychological background, um, you know, wh when you clock in and out of work, when you poop, like if we're going to give our government every fucking tool that it asks for and every dollar and cent that it asks for to protect us and then shit like this still can happen. We got people on fucking bikes, Lisa. Bikes. We're not talking. We're not talking about heavily <laughs> technological advance. We're not talking about. They're not flying bombers, right? They don't I have know, drones. This is totally, totally weird. Um, yeah. They don't even have the fucking robot that came with the NES back in the day. Okay, they have nothing. They have fucking bikes and backpacks. What the fuck could these people actually do they're not even dressed for success this guy is in flip-flops okay you don't go to war in flip-flops i don't give a fuck where it's at or how hot it is <laughs> nobody nobody dresses for war in cargo shorts <laughs> of that kind of plaid and does that shirt even match that what the fuck is wrong with this person i mean <laughs> nobody goes to war like this like, would you imagine, okay, just imagine, for instance, that we we in the United States went to war with Mexico, okay? And and this this is the this is the US contingent crossing the border wall into Mexico. Do you think Mexico's gonna be sweating that? Do you think the people in the, the fucking Mexican government or like the uh the the controlled uh uh drug cartels down there that are part basically part of the government from what we've uh, gathered? Uh, do you think that'd be sweating, you know, a bunch of people like this coming across the border? I don't think you so. Know, well, it's interesting in the, in the caption, it says at the very uh, last part, it says catching the country off guard on a major holiday. Now, that's the weirdest thing for me to hear, because given the history, um, yeah, when did usually the attacks happen? On a holiday, right? So... There's this narrative of 
that they were caught off guard just doesn't sit right. Oh, so you're saying that there's a pattern there, Lisa, <laughs> that somebody with any amount of fucking intelligence could look at and say, oh, damn, um, uh, we should probably ramp things up a little bit around holiday time if this keeps happening like this. I mean, uh, this this is this is going to like all the the fallacies of being able to pay an entity that you don't really control or have any uh, you know say in what it does after you give it that power to protect you. Like we've done this over and over and over again with terrorism, you know, and and also if you look into the the background of terrorism, most of the governments in the West made that happen. Like from what I've gathered. I mean, if you look at the history of Syria, which go figure, we're sending people there right now again. But if you look at the history of Syria since the 70s, I mean, we we radicalized people, quote unquote, in that uh, area and told them that it was OK to blow themselves up. When previously their their nice little book uh, made sure to tell them that that was a bad idea, you know, probably a good call. But, uh, you know, we we had imams that. Probably we greased the skids a little bit with, you know, just you know, gave them a little bit of money to tell their people that, yeah, um, you uh, can go out on the battlefield and blow yourself up and you still get them virgins. So and everybody was like, OK, good deal. Um, and then the Saudis happened after that. <laughs> go fucking figure. Um, wonder why we're still dealing with them, too. Hmm. Now, also with uh, with that being said, uh, let's let's roll on. Um, it says honest reporting has obtained screenshots of now removed tweets from from a person here that they're mentioning on X in which he documented himself standing in front of the Israeli tank. I still don't know what's wrong with that if you're a wartime journalist. Now, he did not wear a press vest or a helmet. <gasps> How dare he not wear his vest? How, we're not going to be able to see all of his Boy Scout badges, Lisa. How are we supposed to know that if he sold enough fucking cookies to be there? Okay. I mean, I, now, if you're embedded with Hamas, maybe somebody comes over and, and is like, yo, you look like a geek in that vest. You know, just take the vest off, put on your flip flops, get on your cargo shorts. <laughs> you know, fuck. But anyway, um, he said he, besides not wearing the vest or the helmet, how dare he? And the Arabic caption of his tweet read, live from inside the Gaza Strip settlements. Man, that's a damning statement. That's a damning statement. Now, besides that, it says the update shortly after the publication of this article, we were alerted to footage of that person's next to the Israeli tank. In addition, a photo has surfaced showing that person with Hamas leader and mastermind of the October 7th massacre. Um, Yahya Sinwar? Man, that's a weird word. Weird world. Weird, weird last name. Sin I was just going to say, wow. That, that's pretty... I, uh, I, can't even, I can't even get it out of my mouth, Lisa. I'm like, Sinwar? Like, those two words together, really? That's this fucker's last name, and he's the mastermind of the massacre? Are they getting like the Marvel writers that they brought in to like push all of like the the DI uh, DEI you know diversity equity inclusion bullshit like years ago that just flopped like every new like superhero that was now a woman or like decided to put their wiener in their butt or something like that like 
they they got all those people that got laid off from Marvel because nobody bought those fucking comic books and hated them. Um, it, they just employed those people to write this bullshit <laughs> to make these characters up because I think Kang and like people like Galactus would make more sense as a last name than Sin War in this. They're making it too fucking obvious for us. They're just making it too obvious. Oh, now. I'm going to skip past this. It says, um, then apparently they have a link to the footage. Again, how dare that guy get footage of what the fuck is going on? How dare he not wear a vest in the desert? You know. (laughs) Now, in the above video, uh, the person says in Arabic, everyone who were inside this tank? Well, that's a problem. This person's a journalist. Says everyone who was inside the tank, I think. I mean, I, it's been a while. It's been a while since school, but um, everyone who were inside the tank, in quotes, it says, uh, this tank were kidnapped. Okay. Everyone who were inside the tank were kidnapped at a short while ago, a short while ago by Al Qassam brigades, uh, which is Hamas's armed wing. Oh, we, we know all of this. We know that Hamas is, uh, you know, in control of an occupied territory that surveilled probably heavier than any other area on the face of the fucking planet. But they were still allowed to organize, launch rockets, and launch into fucking invasion on bicycles with backpacks. And as we have seen with our own eyes, it says. Now, more photos, and I did add a little bit back there. Um, now, more photos he took in Kafar Aza show Hamas terrorists trying to breach the kibbutz's fence in a burning house inside the community. Um, now, I think... These photos aren't doing it for me. Yeah. Um, now, this is Palestinian militants from the Gaza Strip run by the gate of Kibbutz Kafar Aza on Saturday. So big old fence that, you know, I'm no parkour athlete. All right. I can get over that fucking fence. <laughs> okay. That's not that's not much of a fence. Um, where's the security? There's. One, two, three, four people. Like, how many people do they have in Israel? Were they just all on holiday? Were they all in, like, the the beaches of Greece, just, like, yucking it up and having a good old fucking time? Like, did they give everyone off for the holiday? Was everyone at home just watching SportsCenter? Like, what the fuck, Lisa? (laughs) You think, like, there's more security at the festival concerts that I go to, okay? Speaking of which. Yeah, right. (laughs) Didn't something happen there? Like, how could people, like, even if they're heavily armed, which it doesn't look like they're carrying all, like, okay, so you got one of these guns here, Lisa, all right? And you fired guns before. I've fired guns before. We got friends in the audience, like our good friend Harps has definitely fired some guns before. Uh, Shout out to Harps. I see him in the chat there. But say that you fired a couple guns before in your life. Um, They don't have unlimited ammunition like they do in the movies and in the video games sometimes, do they, Lisa? Like, an ammunition is fucking heavy. It takes up space. Um, it weighs you down. Um, you're certainly not going to be, you know, high step running like this motherfucker right here for very long. Like, I don't care how fit you are. <laughs> you know, and this this guy, he, he's, I mean, judging from the height of the fence, if if this is like average height, unless people over there are like smaller for some fucking reason, let's just say that this guy's, you know, like, I don't like the five, eight five ten area at least you know 
175 to 190 pounds, maybe soaking ring and wet. You're the guy not- by the tree, what's he doing? Eating a sandwich? Oh, yeah, exactly. Like this dude back here, not where he's not sprinting to take cover from the security at all. He's standing there like he's just, yeah, he's just on break. Hands not even on palms. Yeah, <laughs> having a good old fucking time. You know, maybe maybe taking pictures with his uh, Kodak fucking disposable camera <laughs> of of the great day that we we breached the the big yellow fence that they have here protecting the whole fucking thing uh, with the nobody protecting it apparently. Oh yeah, and then there's the house that's on fire, which is always a shame to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully their insurance covers it. Um, now it says that Masoud. Now, this is another person, apparently, that works for New York Times, was there as well, just in time to set foot in Israeli territory to take more tank pictures. So you're saying that people who were supposed to be documenting this thing, where they're documenting this thing. Now, that 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 seems kind of silly, but here's what I think that they might be exposing sort of in a backwards way. Um, There have been people that have proposed that this whole this whole shitstorm this whole thing was set up by people right that this was this was something that was planned in advance and and probably known to the israeli government and it was sort of allowed to happen you know kind of like pearl harbor and um and other things but uh now with those, with that being said i mean here's a here's a way that that could be plausible i guess um if you're going to have something like this happen and it's like one of those tree falls in a forest types of deal, right, Lisa? Like you have like this little mini invasion going on on top on bicycle and on foot with from what I'm seeing one fucking gun per person and not a lot of ammunition to back that. I mean, if you got a backpack on you, how much of that ammunition are you fitting into the backpack and how easy it is it for you to get that ammunition out of said backpack and into that gun and a fucking conflict uh type of scenario Mm, probably not great and i'm just gonna guess for instance that uh, these people uh if you're in a situation like that your adrenaline is probably shit uh which means that you're gonna be shaken your your heart rate's gonna be maxed out you're not running very far in that you're gonna be blown up within seconds let alone minutes and I'm not talking about like physically blown up, but like blown up as in like you can't fucking physically perform anything. Like you're going to be, <gasps> you know, like it's just not going to be in a place where you're going to be able to react. Well, I guess you only have a limited amount of time to make it seem like something really bad is about to happen. I guess you only have a limited amount of time to capture what this is going to actually be before it's set up and occurs, right? So you have the ability as a photojournalist, especially. And I see this because you have the ability to frame what happened here. So it can be exploited by both sides. Now, I'm not saying that that's what these photojournalists were doing. I have no idea what their motivations were. I've never met them. I don't fucking know them. I would, I would love to talk to some of them, maybe. Um, who knows if we'll ever get that opportunity because they're being doxxed by things like this. But um, you know, I would say that if this was a premeditated attack that was well known to Israeli authorities and was allowed to happen because of certain, well, let's say reasons, right? Let's not even get into that. Um, it would be a great opportunity, really, to have people from CNN and New York Times, you know, 
friendly to the intelligence agencies that Israeli undoubtedly has connections with um, to make sure that there's plenty of little footage and photos that they can use for propaganda, right? Like this just seems like part of a setup. You know, if you only see a glimpse, if you only see a still of something, what can you read into it? Well, now it says, uh, besides that person from the New York Times being there to set foot in Israeli territory to take more tank pictures, um, they were also positioned to get pictures of the horrific abductions of Israelis into Gaza. Now, it says that they captured a pickup truck carrying the body of German-Israeli Shani Luke and also, they got several shots of abductees being kidnapped into the Strip. So this is that photo here of Palestinian militants drive back to the Gaza Strip with the body of an Israeli soldier on uh, that Saturday. It says the militant Hamas rulers of the Gaza Strip carried out an unprecedented multi-front attack. On, see, they keep ramping it up in the descriptions as the photos go along here. Unprecedented multi-front attack on israel at daybreak saturday firing thousands of rockets as dozens of hamas fighters infiltrated the heavily fortified border yes heavily fortified border because i guess a multi-fronted attack by the tiniest rather they got the like the they squished this right <laughs> in the editing or this is the tiniest fucking pickup truck i've ever seen like look at the bed of this shit does this guy even have room to like spread his legs back here if he's sitting, Lisa? What the fuck? And it looks like the back of it's blown out or taken out. So like, I mean, you don't you don't really have like good aerodynamics um, going on here, and it's not going to be kind to this guy's hair. But um, you know, with with that being said, like you're being taken over by a truck that probably back in the day, me and maybe two or three other friends could probably flip over if we wanted to. <laughs> you know, like. It doesn't look like much. This is like a Geo Metro. <laughs> Geo, I didn't know they. I don't know that they made mini trucks like this, Lisa. I'm, I'm actually curious as to see what what the fuck this actually is here in in the picture. But then, um, okay, so this is uh, this doesn't look good. Uh, this is a, a shot of Palestinians transport a captured Israeli civilian, uh, who's in the center. I'm thinking is this guy. Um, from the kibbutz Kafar Aza into the Gaza Strip. Why only one? There's this many people. Like, how is it only one? And um, you, you think that they'd have, okay, you think there'd be more going on there. All right, but it says the militant Hamas rulers of the Gaza Strip carried out. Yep, again, unprecedented. They got to hit you with it over and over and over again. So if you ask somebody what's going on over in Israel and <laughs> Gaza, Lisa, you ask somebody at the water cooler at work, what do they say? Well, they carried out an unprecedented multi-front attack. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, um, the walls uh, are closing in or, you know, you, you got to, you know, it's safe are, and effective. Around the sitcoms when they, you know, have mm -hmm. the, the uh, cards put up to say applaud. The tagline. Yeah. Dino Mike. All that shit. All that shit. They got to hit you with the tagline, of course. You know, and the rock said, mm hmm. Smell what the rock is cooking. Always taglines. Now with um, here's another one where they got okay. All right, they're storming the country on a fucking golf cart. I was gonna, I was gonna say a golf cart. 
What wow. the fuck does this guy even have in his hand? What is that? Is that mace? I know. I would. It looks like, like a milk carton. Yeah, I mean, is he is he gonna spray like is he gonna run up and spray people in the face with like some raid? I mean, that would suck. <laughs> I mean, I want to be sprayed in the eyes with some fucking cockroach killer, but I mean, what the fuck is that even? Is he tagging things? Uh, did they watch you know a couple NWO YouTube videos? Like, oh, that shit's cool. We're just gonna tag people while they're down. But um, yeah, this is uh, transported captured Israeli civilian here. So I mean, yeah, and there's the. <laughs> unprecedented multi-front attack mentioned again thank you um now it says interestingly the names of the photographers which appear on other sources have been removed well i geez, i fucking i wonder why from some of the photos on ap's database and it says perhaps someone at the agency realized it posed serious questions regarding their journalistic ethics maybe their safety like if we're supposed to believe that it created some sort of safe haven for people in creating these stupid border walls and all of the security that is Israel promises its people, all of the conscription into the military and all, all of that type of stuff. And then all, all of the, the, the iron dome and all of those things. What did that amount to? It amounted to nothing compared to a bunch of people that wanted to use some bolt cutters to cut a fence and ride their fucking bikes in there. <laughs> That's what it amounted to. Security is such a fucking fallacy. It's such a fallacy when it's provided to you, especially by the state. Um, a, a bunch of a bunch of border uh, farmers from like Texas could have defended that fucking border better, Lisa. Couple boys, couple boys from down on the Texas Mexico border that just you know with the you know right type of collection of arms probably could have staved these people off. <laughs> okay, this is stupid. Now it says that. Um, uh, under Reuters lynching as image of the day. Wow. I guess uh, that was a hell of a contest. Um, Reuters has published pictures from two photojournalists who also happen to be at the border just in time. Again, questionable their timing, but they don't question it like I'm questioning it. I don't think uh, for Hamas's infiltration. It says mm -hmm, another couple names there. I'm going to try and stay away from those. Not just because I don't like doxing people that are probably just doing a job but then also i can't pronounce any of that shit so it says uh they both took pictures of a burning israeli tank on the israeli side of the border about uh but the other somebody went further oh no he took photos of a lynch mob brutalizing the body of an israeli soldier who was dragged out of the tank now i'm not going to talk shit here on the person that probably lost their life here but I'm just thinking, if you're in a tank and you're taking on a group of people on bikes and backpacks with arms like this, with probably limited means and ammunition and stuff like that, and you somehow lose that fight, um, it's going to be your ass. I mean, they, they probably told you that in training. Like, listen, <laughs> if you fuck up here, you just might die. Now, did, did the person in the tank... Did they have the right to say no there? I mean, were they were they sucked into the military uh, life because of how they do things over there? Was this person in that tank voluntarily, Lisa? I don't know. Well, you know, I don't know anything about tanks, but isn't that some kind of like lock thing? Like, I don't know, to be able to prevent intrusion inside the tank. I mean, granted, 
I mean, staying you think in that'd there. be an issue, right? Like, you don't want your tank infiltrated by like fucking raccoons or squirrels. Like, you you, you don't you don't you don't want some type of varmint getting in there, let alone human beings. So, I mean, it's probably not meant to be accessed by people outside of it. I'm assuming <laughs> it's built like a tank. <laughs> so, how the fuck? I mean, how do you how do you lose a battle? like that in a tank like I've, I've played the tank simulators a couple times not really a huge fan of them but there's a lot of people that are really into it um you know what's ironic if you look yes. on the left side of this picture and the mm -hmm. guy's wearing a mask uh, <laughs> and he doesn't even have a cover in his nose i mean we're, we're talking okay. about like poor mask ethics here okay and then didn't, bring didn't, a mask I fucking, <laughs> didn't i say didn't i say wire cutters bolt cutters he has those aren't even bolt cutters those are wire cutters <laughs> you don't even have heavy duty bolt cutters dude you have wire cutters you're wearing a surgical mask that need not apply in any anything around here maybe to are keep you gonna the tell me that that's supposedly, mouth, guess, but... that's supposedly how they got into the tank was by wire cutters lisa let's say that we're we're gonna get we're gonna go to war tmp's going to war right and we're gonna arm you with one of these okay <laughs> it's the wire cutters and we're going to ask you to take on a tank. What do you think your odds are? You think you have freaking odds? Uh, this, uh, this is about a, what this would be maybe what a one in a million type of chance that you'd get a group of people. I don't even see all these guys armed. Unless, I mean, unless they're carrying little small sidearms and stuff like that. I don't think that's a big threat to a tank. I don't think this gun itself is that big of a threat to a tank. So, what the fuck are they doing here? What are they doing here? And how they just have one tank for all this. I mean, how many tanks per square mile does Israel have? How many how many border security checkpoints? How many people do they employ or conscript or whatever you want to call it to do the job of guarding stuff like this? Don't they have cameras and sensors and like fucking missiles ready to launch at any point to shoot down other rockets? Like, don't don't they have modern technology? Oh yeah, we're getting silenced. Look, they're transporting supposedly on a motorbike. Yep. yep. I mean, how do you so, have all those people like Silas? I'm, I'm gonna bring just, you in here, buddy, if you can hear I'm me. Just thinking, all right. Physically speaking, nice. it, why would you use a motorbike? I don't know. Silas, we are uh, in the midst of the first article of the big four here today, still scratching mm. our heads as to how a bunch of people on bicycles with um, maybe a single rifle and a backpack are able to not only overtake a border area, but then also eventually a tank. Um, now, Silas, just for like, I'm going to switch back to the panel for this question uh this is uh your introduction to the the, the tmp am wake up audience uh, again it's been a little while since we've had you on here and then uh zeal we got you on camera there if you want to be on camera you can that's fine i'm just letting you know um and uh, i'm gonna bring you in on the stage uh in a second here if that's cool with you all right so here let me uh let me add you then my friend but uh all right zealberg thanks for being here good to virtually meet you Nice to meet you all. I got Hello to there. Well, Silas. How's it going, man? Not bad. I got to uncamera myself here, folks. Oh, if you want to uncamera yourself, I might be able to help with 
that. No, it's not going to let me do it, I don't think. I might have to yeah. come up, go out and come in again. I, I believe yeah. if you go down to the settings, you'll, that little cog. Oh, yes. And then, yeah, if you yeah. go to camera in there. And let me add, uh, it says device is not connected. You just got to connect your mic again, Zealbert. All right. But uh, Hello, folks, Guido. this, yeah, and we got Guido here. Guido, Hello. welcome. Hello. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. And uh, Guido, you're you're coming from Italy, yes? Yes, I am. Do okay. I? Do you want me to? Do I have to turn in the camera or? No, you don't have to. I mean, if if you guys want to be on camera, you can be. Um, Lisa's on camera sometimes. I'm I'm never on camera because I don't have a webcam connected to this uh, machine at at the current point. But uh, anyone is welcome to be on camera if they like. But it's not a it's not a have to. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm mainly here for the conversation, not to check people out. But uh, cool to meet all all of you, uh, Zilberg and, and Guido, and it's great to see you again, Silas. And as I was saying to the audience, I mean, Silas, we had you on way back in in TMP's history, and it's great to finally have you back here, my friend. But um, you know, as as your introduction to the audience, um, I, I believe you do have some background in studying military history. Um, so you've had a little bit of experience reading up on conflicts of the past, yes. Um, would mm -hmm. you ever put money on um, somebody being able to cross a border like this uh, with some wire cut? I'll, I'll switch back to the screen share so people can see with some wire cutters <laughs> and a single oh, arm. And maybe oh, wait, 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 those, though, those wire cutters were, were to get inside the tank. Oh, of course. Yeah, because everybody knows that. Yeah, you just use the same wire cutters that I use to replace space strings get into an armed tank but uh, you know like uh, maybe a backpack full in, uh, of ammunition is what i was saying too maybe if they're lucky a backpack full of ammunition which in a conflict of this nature when you're taking on a tank probably isn't very much um silas how unlikely would you say that scenario actually is oh extremely unlikely a, a lot of what's going on um with the israel hamas flashpoint is, is quite questionable but of course like the russo-ukraine conflict it's merely a uh, a sort of mic a microcosm of a flashpoint for a, a grander global uh, cold war that's, that's going on between the sort of ailing anglo-american bloc and uh, the emerging eurasian bloc uh, yeah so it is, it's very questionable what's going on in the Israel-Hamas flashpoint. That's one example, of course. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And um, just for the audience, if this is their first introduction to you, do you want to let people know just like what you do, Silas, and what type of topics and things that you cover? Hey, so my first book was on the topic of anacyclosis, or the rise and fall of civilizations, political evolution, yeah, that type of topic, that's what interests me uh, primarily. Uh, I also have sort of branched off into esoteric topics and uh, one could say conspiratorial topics as well, uh, if one's so inclined. And I, I'm a content creator as well on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, uh, YouTube. So I do geopolitical analysis, uh, political analysis, uh, I guess you would call it psychosocial analysis. Uh, social science and, and things such as that so that's what interests me that's what i do 
And I love it, man. You've been putting out great content for a while now. Um, and it's definitely been an inspiration. Like if folks um, check out my monologues at the beginning of these uh, broadcasts, uh, a lot of the approach that I take to sort of like the tone and the rhythm that you have and going through some of your, especially your short form videos, like that's been very influential to me, man, because I think you do a brilliant job there. It, it's really immersive. And it's very similar to, especially when you add the music in the background, which is often beautiful. Um, it, it really immerses me into it like uh, good documentaries do. Like I'm a big fan of Adam Curtis and his documentaries are kind of like music video documentaries in a way. You know, there's just certain points where he hits you with the music and the uh, the narration and everything sort of just like grabs you in that moment. I think you do an excellent job at that, my friend. And uh, Oh, thank yeah, you very and, much. Yeah, and you definitely put some work into your book, man. That 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 thing is thick, but uh, with two C's. But um, let's uh, let's get some introductions from uh, the the other people that we've invited here today. Uh, Zilberg, let's just go in that order. Um, you want to unmute and maybe let the audience know a little bit about yourself, man? It's great to meet Hi, you. Hi, great to meet you. Um, I suppose I represent the ordinary thinking people uh, who are trying to figure, you know, have some type of understanding about the world around us um i was i became uh, you know aware of silas's work going back two three years ago uh similarly with guido uh preparata came aware of his work uh, a couple of years ago and it was part of uh my own attempt to understand the world as it was rapidly changing but my i suppose my own background pre the, the the new normal pre the internet pre the the new world in inverted commas was i'm irish obviously and a lot of my interest originally came from trying to understand um politics nationalism conflict uh, imperialism in ireland just to try and get my head around my own uh little corner of the world so it inevitably or led me into trying to you know get a wider understanding so uh, through the, I suppose, the power of the internet, we made, you know, eventually made contact with the likes of Silas, Guido, Andrew Goodself. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now and where I, I guess a lot of people like me are at. So I, I, I think of myself as just broadly representative of the ordinary thinking person who's trying to, you know, come to a, an understanding of things. Yeah, I've really enjoyed the conversations that I've checked out with you and Silas, man. Um, you, you guys go back and forth really well with you know one another, and um, I really enjoy like sort of like this stream of consciousness flow that you have to those conversations too. Um, yeah, it's uh, sometimes it's a bit of a it's like jamming in, in a jazz quartet or something. Sometimes you know you're better off to stick to the format. It's almost a guaranteed outcome. But sometimes I find when we let things flow, we hit upon stuff that we you know you couldn't have sort of premeditated so i i don't know how how that translates to a live scenario sometimes it requires a lot of patience from our listening audience but sometimes it can be very engaging oh yes and um I, you actually read my mind there i was going to make that same comparison to music because i've noticed that uh the three guests that i have on here today i think you all play instruments and you know jam with people and stuff like that correct yeah 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 I think Guido's awesome. a musician as well. Hell yeah, yeah. I checked out Guido's uh, Instagram page, so I'm holding a nice guitar there. I'm like, damn, all I, there must be something about that when you have like a background in that type of creativity and you have a background in that type of like and music, and I'm sure you guys can all attest to this, is in itself mind-expanding 
let alone the other drugs that are offered to musicians. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm sure that helped branch all of you guys out into this in a way. Was was music like the path that you all took to get here? Well, not, not to attempt to give you a short answer, but I, th I think when you're engaged in the creative process, you sort of realize, because uh, you're kind of putting a hand into the chaotic ether, and you realize the subjectivity involved in the creative process of where your consciousness and where your mind uh, plays a role in that process. So inevitably, inevitably you would tra we translate that kind of same mentality back to our understanding of the political, economic kind of sphere as well. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it, it, it begs of you to understand systems and organization. Like music theory to me was a challenge at first because I'm not mathematically driven. Um, definitely driven more by words and emotion, things like that, and like the physical feeling of playing. But you know, when it came down to understanding the structure of music and other things like that, it really asks of you to look at something that's intangible and make it rational. And I think that if you can do that easily, you can roll that into pretty much any type of philosophy or application in this way. Um, Guido, what would you say to that? And do you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Oh, sure, sure. I, uh, I generally, I, I, I've been an academic uh, most of my life, and then I, um, I somehow was just just left that world. It was was pushed out, and uh, now I'm on my own, uh, just uh, doing books and uh, under my label, and we'll see what comes out of that. Um, as far as music, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Well, I, I uh, my dream was the was that of being a guitar hero, like, you know, so or a flamenco, or something like that. Although uh, I, I don't have the talent to be that, but that, that that would have been my dream. And frankly, I wish, but I was forced at gunpoint by my parents into economics, and so that's uh, that's the beginning of the end. And so here we are, you know. But you know, I, I uh, I'm not looking for sympathy. It's just my fault. I should have just you know rolled down the floor and and, and pretend I was possessed and to refuse. But I didn't pull out that act, and I should have really. Here we are. At least I, I just got uh, I just got to study how the system works and try to figure it out for whatever it's worth. But there, I, I still wish I'd played flamenco to be honest, but, <laughs> but well, I, still do. I, I still do. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the flamenco players. Um, <laughs> yeah. I my, my primary instrument is probably the bass guitar, um, mm -hmm. and I I play fingerstyle mostly because mm -hmm. I just there's something about that feel of being able to you know yeah. that use your your fingers on the strings and just like all of the different sort of the ways that you can make it emote that way uh -huh. i guess you know there's there's something in music called timbre which i'm sure you all are familiar with sure. the term but who's your you know, idol I, who's your bass idol oh it, it's a tough one I, th I think it i have to i have to do it by like genre i guess but uh -huh. um I, when i first started i'd say like the biggest influence to make me want to play uh the bass in a band uh, was John Entwistle from The Who because oh, he's yeah. just such a monster. I mean, the Ox was phenomenal yeah. and just all over the fretboard, and he played lead bass. Like people mm -hmm. don't understand, like in a three-piece setup, like The Who was. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have you have you have a ridiculous drummer behind you that's playing God knows what, right? And Keith Moon <laughs> most of the time. Right. But then you know Pete Townsend's guitar lines. I'm sure for someone that's a you know a classically trained guitar player of any sort like yourself and others, probably look at the guitar lines and go, 
yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, okay, A5, D5. We're not really challenging ourselves very much here, are we? You know, yeah. not, not very much. And, you know, some, some, some other open chords at times and maybe some acoustic work. But, yeah, right. Entwistle was just a consummate musician. I mean, very similar to John Paul Jones and bringing multiple instruments to the group too. But right. just like in himself, though, just like from uh, especially, especially uh, Quadrophenia. Like you mm -hmm. put on the, the punk and the Godfather, just yeah. Yeah. I love, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, it's it's really oh, excellent. Yeah, excellent man. And yeah, that's I also just, like that's a moment in culture too, where like I'll never be able to experience that world of European culture, like because that time has passed. Like yeah. I can only look back into a window into that moment of what that life must have been like to be in Europe at that time and to be a young man and to experience what, what it would be like to be in those gangs and be, be around that music and take those drugs and whatever else those guys were into and that stuff. Right. And quite well, I, yeah. A bio, a bio of Antrizel just, you know, came out a few years ago called the ox. And I, and I read it cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge um, who fan and I, oh, I saw yeah. it many times and, I even I even proudly claim that I want to, I'm one of the few who get to see uh, Pete Townsend at the House of Blues playing solo at midnight, and so, I mean I I, I just I worship the man. And anyway, and and the the, um, the book, yeah, it, it, it was a horrible life. I mean, it's 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 it, 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 there weren't happy people at all. But anyway, we're digressing. But yeah, yeah it's, I don't it's know. Okay. It's just a strange strange thing. But in the in the modern sense of bass playing, I would highly recommend people to check out Dan Briggs's work from a group called Between the Buried and Me. They are a progressive metal band um, that have taken a lot of direction from bands like Dream Theater of the past and stuff like that, but just okay. uh, ramped up a little bit on the uh, intensity. They 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 borrow some uh, some themes or tropes from like things like death metal and extreme metal too. So there'll be blast beats thrown in there. And then they'll actually go into uh, playing, you know, classical, you know, the, in, in the next part. So it, it's fun to listen to progressive music like that because you never know where it's going to lead. But yeah, Dan Briggs is another fingerstyle player. He's very different than John Entwistle in his application. But you mm -hmm. can tell like when you listen to his uh, arrangements that he comes up with that he's very influenced by jazz. And there's like a Mark Mothersbaugh type of quirky, funky type of thing going on with him too like if you ever listen to mark mothersbaugh's work from devo and all the music he wrote for rugrats and stuff like that it just has like a weird like kind of offbeat you know jumpy like wiggly type of type of rhythm you know, to it all so well the songwriter of devo oh wow yeah 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 and this that that, that goes far too because most people like have influence on them that they don't realize from compositions like that through tvs and, and movies especially like we're all sort of just taking it in all at once and very few people take the time to set aside to go like oh well that's that's who wrote that and that's that's where this comes from or that's what's borrowed from this too so zilberg you were gonna yeah no just an observation like observation number one right in, in in the act of improvisation or the creative act like i feel there's been a transition from that concept into the wider wider um how power interacts with the world and that's they've really got the whole thing off to a fine art where they are they have the capacity to improvise like the quartet the jazz quartet or quintet has the piano the double bass, the drum set, the alto sax, the tenor sax, the trumpet. Like they've taken media, military, economy, government, 
they've they've taken generations they've taken human minds and they they have it all in front of them and they really are at a master play at the moment with the improvisational act or the creative act and they've kind of delved into this thing into this dark heart of the matter where everything is a swirling vortex of uh opposites colliding and interacting and they know how to pull out the they know how to pull the string out of all that and they know how the interplay that has with human consciousness that there's a kind of a dazzling effect literally an act of sorcery that's a blinding funneling channeling molding effect on human consciousness so they've I think that's where they're at. And I think one of the key components to that was this kind of post-modernist, post-structural approach to, you know, how we see things, that things could be more than one thing at once. They could be, as Silas says, sometimes opposite sides of the one coin. So there's a kind of a spinning, whirling whirlpool of information, data, and, you know, scenarios played out in front of us on a day-to-day basis that are, the the output of the maestros within that uh, you know within that great kind of uh, improvisational um, act of sorcery. What's well, understanding just, the dissonance? You know, when you have things clashing like that, and things logically clashing. You know, with what you know, somebody like our understanding of, or you know, especially someone like Silas and his understanding of military history, or something like that. Just seeing the question I posed to him, you know, coming into this conversation, is that mm-hmm. we see the clashes. And only certain people understand why those things clash. Like if you don't know why a first and and a major seventh, you know, right, have that mm. specific type of wiggle to it, mm. then you're you're as a layperson, you're just gonna be like, oh, that's that sounds funky, and then you just move on. You just you know you're distracted by other things potentially after that. Yeah. Well, this is there's a, a much deeper kind of philosophical side to, to to this point, like you know, and it's as you know, it's like the Joel Jazz thing. You know, there's no wrong notes. It's yeah. how you land back. So it's subjective, and likewise within on the battlefield as to who the good guys and who the bad guys are, is eventually subjective, or what the good data is or the bad yeah. data is is you know eventually subjective and. Perhaps if you can present the world in such a way as you're appealing to people's deeper instinct, instincts, such as their fear of death, uh, for example, some primitive, deep, deeply held instinct in man, that you can advance any potentially any objective or scenario that you want to, because you understand really how how the whole thing works. Well, and even what the notes are defined as, because, I mean, if people like me listen to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard know that mm. you can uh, also have microtonal instruments now, and that just mm. blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's as deep as you want to go. Like, you go into into the raga, into Indian music, and you have far more subdivisions of the notes, and, you know, the, the floorboards disappear from underneath you, like, and, you know, there's infinity underneath and overhead in, in either direction, so... You know, once you understand that, it's a very powerful, it puts you in a position of power, you know. And Subdivisions is an amazing Rush song. Highly recommend. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just find the one other, so we, we have this kind of um, troubling relationship with popular culture now, you know. So, oh, you know, you, you mentioned a few you know, bands and artists there that are well known in, in the public domain, and it's not to go after them in any singular sense, but suddenly now we're thinking about well what is the lyrical content who is the corporate record label that they worked under who signed them up what's the subtext in the band what's the messaging if any so bands you know for example that i would have had posters up on the wall when i was a teenager 
I now question what I was listening to. I oh, now yeah. question. I mean, it's a trope now to mention Tavistock, right? I think you and Silas were talking about that the other day. And, and just like for me, not only learning that, but then also after COVID, <laughs> all the different artists I grew up, Neil Young. Oh, oh I want to mm. vomit. I want to vomit just thinking about that. You know, that person flipping like that. Just terrible. But, I was watching these spiders the other day and they, they do this thing where they molt, where they literally outgrow their exoskeleton and they go into this kind of hibernation thing and where they literally shed their outer skeleton. And then they it's quite a disgusting slash amazing thing to look at. I'm sure you get it on the Internet there, but we're yeah. in a similar kind of a, a stage of, of growth here that we're shedding a, a skin from the old world sort of thing, but it, it involves shedding a part of ourselves as well. And we, we arrive naked in the world and, you know, we have to start to re understand ourselves in a sense, because a lot of the tropes and the culture, the stuff we were presented with and absorbed, we now have, a, you know, a troubling relationship with it. And then we subsequently feel we may need to shed it because it, you know, we, we may see, as you say, that the, the social engineering or whatever is in there that doesn't fit. So, you know, I think that's actually where we are at on the much wider, gener more general sense. We're trying to reestablish. A lot of people are trying to reestablish where they are vis-a-vis -vis the world and who they are. Hmm. And Silas, I keep stepping on you, brother. What do you, what do you have to say about all this? Sorry. Oh, no, I, I, no, it's OK. I was just going to add to that point that, you know, bringing it back to music, everything that they do. Uh, and, and thinking about psychology in terms of music. So you will have chords uh, when you're songwriting that will, you know, um, harmoniously resolve with other chords and it creates a, you know, a rather uh, melodic or um, beautiful transition, right? And you have this sort of formulaic way of writing songs uh, that it elicits a certain response from the listener. And in a similar way, the the sort of narrative the psychodramas the alchemical psychodramas eh, eh, you know if you will you know not not to be too um too hyperbolic about it but you know the narratives that we see in the media everything the entire culture is set up in a manner as well the various um diametric divides that are also inflamed within society vis-a-vis -vis the media uh, for example, the Russo-Ukraine conflict uh, right now, you're either on the side of Russia or Putin, or you're on the side of uh, Ukraine and NATO, or you're either on the side of Israel um, and you're pro-Israel, or you're uh, on the side of the, the Palestinians, pro-Palestine, and then that get, gets lumped in with Hamas and all of that. Again, this is to, it's not just divide and conquer. It seems that it's a way to spur on the motion of the wheel to steer uh, the direction of change, um, not just within our own specific uh, domestic um, situations, our own nations, but the globe, uh, the global landscape. Uh, and of course, it's it's been going on, you know, throughout history. And they know what dialectical camps to create that resolve well and also channel again that deeper sort of need of, of humanity not just for tribalism but uh, along the divisive lines that also uh, sort of exude that tr those tribalistic tendencies so they play upon those as well so they, they understand 
human psychology, you know, it's down to a fine art at this point. But you you look throughout history, and as like George Pataille stated, stated, everything is a parody. It's all parodic. It repeats ad infinitum. It's it's actually quite bizarre how very few people seem to see the patterns of history, and then see what is being done in the present, and people obviously consequently fail to conclude that what is being done in the present is it's, it's like political theatre uh, to push uh, or to, to push on the exposition uh, to get to that conclusion that end goal of of a larger agenda um, that's what I would say in regards to that okay and um, you know just with the, just, just to throw it out there to the panel before we move on to the next of the big four too because I, I wanted to bring up a couple articles with you guys uh, about this because I, I chose uh, the articles for the big four this week about the the violence that seems to be ramping up in the world uh, politically and I know that you all keep an ear to the ground with that kind of stuff and you know the, obviously the Israeli Gaza you know Palestinian whatever conflict um, there's going to be a flashpoint in violence, you know, to pay attention to. But there's other forms of violence that happen all around the world. Um, is there something to be said though, like for situations like this that seem like just seem so awkward, so weird? Like if I go back to the screen share and just bring an image like this up on your screen, like in the modern era, to have like a group of people like this, like it with not a lot of arms. I'm going to show you some other things in freaking golf carts. Um, carrying a can of god knows what like this is war this is this is what it is now i mean is it is is it because like this area of the world just doesn't have what we have i mean this guy's carrying what looks like a, a rocket in the back of a, a really small truck i don't know if you guys can identify what kind of truck that is but that is a shockingly small truck bed is it not like <laughs> if you guys have any experience driving a truck that is the shortest truck bed I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I don't know what the heck is going on there. Well, not not to m mention the make and model of the 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 SUV or the you know, but the, the, that type of vehicle is favored by how shall we say the the terrorists in inverted mm -hmm. commas because it's a four four by four. You can get in and out the back of it quite easily. You can have a heavy caliber machine gun. You know, it's a, that that type of vehicle crops up again and again. But just to, in reference to your early, earlier comment, uh, you know, the type of imagery that you've been presented with and the representation of violence, you, your question kind of is, is this a new phenomenon or, or what? how can we account for this? But like if, if I use my own example, not 150 miles from where I'm sitting right now, those types of scenarios were all too common in Northern Ireland. Uh, oh, in the yeah. 1970s so we had the rocket launchers we had the penetration of the border on a daily basis we had tit for tat killings we had abductions kidnappings we had hijack military personnel we had assaults on uh, army helicopters british army helicopters vice versa we had british army kill squads in unmarked vans down in the south of ireland supposedly the republic of ireland so all of this type of phenomenon became commonplace it became normalized uh, you know attacks on funerals british soldiers driving into uh, ira funerals and getting assaulted or murdered and you know all too often it seems 
that the television camera or the photojournalist is is uh, happens to be in the right place at the right time to capture a lot of this stuff. So fortuitously. Once, yeah. Fortuitously and with sheer force of serendipity just happened to be there. You know, I I can I still have that picture of Mr. Alexander Dugan, uh, the Russian so-called far-right philosopher, uh, with his hands on his head as his his daughter uh, was killed in a, um, a car bomb, um, and he's staring right at the camera. And he has his two hands on the head. This look of shock, horror, and it's just perfectly placed camera just to capture that at that exact moment. And uh, similarly, with um, you know. With this recent incursion into the border, uh, you know, this music festival, for example, uh, we see this young Israeli lady and she's been taken away on the back of a motorbike. And she's been she's a, a, a pavilion passenger, seemingly uh, ostensibly been abducted by this uh, terrorist Hamas uh, operative. And again, the camera just just so happens to be placed to capture the moment. And. Just to widen it out, if you think of some of the bigger instances of historical events, be they uh, in downtown New York or downtown Dallas, the camera has played a central role in those um, events. And it really is remarkable how photojournalism and TV journalism just has that uncanny knack of being in the right place at the right time to capture the history and to show it to the masses uh, via the screen. Well, of course, and in that, I'm sorry, oh, sorry. In that case, like, would you guys say, because you, you, you're much closer to it than I'll ever be, um, that whole situation that you mentioned in Northern Ireland, my friend, um, it, was that organic? Am I using the wrong term? You're, you're, not, you're not, not, not really. It's like saying, is your, is, your, is your beef burger from the fast food outlet organic? Like at some point it was rated right home on this show. Yeah. We have a friend yeah. that goes into that actually. Yeah. Well, go at, on, at, some, at some point it was a cow, you know, gotcha. but there's a whole corporate machine in around that as well. Bastardized. I think that's, a well, it's, kind of it turns into a hybrid. It's like, you know, I, uh, there's a tree growing out here in the garden, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, where I know it's been pruned half to death by my father. But originally, that was a conquer from some other trees, from some wild entity, some aspect of other nature, which has, which has since been trimmed, pruned, and sawed into its current form. So a lot of this stuff, some of it is organic originally. It's subsequently molded. More of it is, uh, as they say, astroturfed. It's planted in the, planted in the ground from the get-go. And, and, and anything up to and in between. We're back back to the jazz musician stuff. And the improvisation, it all depends what the customer requires, what the nar- what the scenario requires, and the, the narrative to be shaped as per and tailored. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and the astute manager of information or manageress of information is all too uh, aware of that and is keenly focused on that and has the data and, and, and knows where they want, they know where they want to go with it, like, you know. Hmm. That ultimately, media influence is a sort of it has a mutagenic effect on information. It doesn't necessarily fabricate the information. Uh, not all the time. I mean, that would be seriously uh, resource intensive for the, the the media apparatus and the state, which uh, you know either directly or indirectly fund them. Uh, you know, for obviously purposes 
pertaining to the state's own existence and the maintaining of power and the establishment. But yes, I, I think, as Zeal stated, it's, it's to inflame tensions, everything that the media does. You, of course, in America, you, there's multiple examples of that. You know, the, the, the whole race, uh, racial divide as well. The, oh, I mean, even the uh, <laughs> interesting event that occurred a, a few years back, right? That, that event, that global event. Again, that was all based around division as well of the populace. Along, you know, along a very controversial issue. But this controversial issue was brought in not... It was tackled in the media not from a, a logical standpoint, weighing up the evidence, the pros and cons, and taking a neutral uh, standpoint within the media, but really bringing it into a moral, uh, or moralising it, moralising the issue. And that's what you see with a lot of uh, the media influence, is they moralise issues. And when you moralise issues, uh, and you divide it along primarily dualistic lines, black and white, then what ends up inevitably happening is a divide occurs. And it seems that, of course, generates chaos. The chaos is almost like a, a fuel for change, a currency for it. And that's what it's designed to, to do, to create, it would seem. Well, and you what you brought up there too reminded me of another great song from the past, um, Us and Them. Uh, off of Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Um, that that division, the the thing that the, the duality that drives people into this side or that, and and the thing that makes uh, you know people dehumanize the other, the opposite side. I mean, Guido, in your writings and in your research, how often have you come upon that and the 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 puppet masters and you know, maybe shout out to a master of puppets there of good Metallica's jam. Uh, how much how much of that is in play in these types of scenarios, you think? You mean the, the divisiveness? Oh, yeah. Like how much of it is engineered and how much of it just happens because people see images of people like them and other things? Like, do you think that this is a more engineered propaganda listically um, than, than it appears, you know, at least to most people? I um, <clears throat> it's a it's a difficult question. Um, there is no doubt. It depends what you believe what, that we're all about. You know, oftentimes you talk to folks and you suggest, you know, we could do this, we could do this, and you protest against this and you protest against that. And then um, by, you know, by the, the third beat, and you'll, somebody will come up and say, you know, but being nature, being human nature, what it is, dot, 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 where they, which is a typical reactionary conservative answer that we are animals at heart. And so we're always bound to, um, we're always bound to, you know, devour our fellow men, no matter what we do. Mm -hmm. I don't essentially think that we're good or anything, although the debate is the debate is important. But I definitely believe that all of this aggressiveness stems from the fact that we are living in, in cages. Um, and uh, so I guess Silas was talking about spiders, and I, in the discussion I I, I had um, with Silas. And Adrian, previously, I discuss. I I I read a lot about um, social insects, and um, and there and and I see that the best metaphor we could use for our lives is that we do live in uh, what I call um, you know uh, mechanized ant hills. In that kind of an environment, yes, uh, the very worst comes out of it. 
And nevertheless, even and even though that is the case, I think that we turn, we are insubordinated bent. I, I don't think that we are by nature so aggressive, but put in under those conditions, we become. So to answer your question, I think that uh, yeah, they're mostly engineered, and you 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 have to do this. You have to keep, uh, you have to keep the um, you know if you if you stick to the analogy of the of the hive. There's a class, there's a parasitical elite, which lords it over the mass. And the, and the middle class is in between as the conveyor belt between the two. This is why a lot of the, I was reading in a book of social psychology, a lot of the insanity occurs in the middle stratum mostly because we're torn between these two things. We participate in the exploitation, but we recognize we in the middle stratum that it is, that it is you know, not good. Hence the, the, the schizophrenia and the madness that have, affects us all in this stratum in particular. So yeah, I think, so in, in a situation like this, they need the lower strata to be constantly, um, you know, uh, divided and uh, all the so-called critical theory uh, comes from, it has a long history, political correctness it used to be a joke when it first came out, but now it's a system. And I've written about this at length in a book called The Ideology of Tyranny that I would like to relaunch because it's been has been completely uh, shipwrecked in the uh, in the shoals of uh, expensive academic publishing, but it, it deals about where that comes from and how it was, and how it was fashioned into discourse. So again, yeah, to answer your question, for me, it is one once that is the from the. I always try when I look at phenomena of power. I always put myself try to put myself in the shoes of the parasites, um, who should never be underestimated in the first place. They're extremely resourceful and tenacious. And what would I need to do to keep things as they are? And yeah, of course, you need to foment constantly uh, strife at every level, inside, domestically, and of course, abroad. Although now, it's not as it used to be 150 years ago. Now it's uh, where you had rival anthills. Now you no longer have them. Now it's where under, we are under the one government. So we are in what I call an Orwellian scenario, where you have to have these shows and I think that what we're witnessing these days are just, you know, just shit shows, more of the sort, you know, Ukraine. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is why now? You remember a couple of years ago, we thought we were going to have World War III with North Korea and then nothing happened. So now instead, they're just pushing it a little bit, a little bit more. I guess for us on the outside, in the middle stratum, to figure out what the parasites are and their screenwriters, who are very, very good at their pay, uh, are going to do and why the timing is what it is. So these are the questions for us, I think. Well, how so, does one get inside the mind of a madman? That's always been, you know, another you paradox know, too. Like well, how do you read something from somebody that might not be sane? How do you apply sane sanity and logic or your understanding to someone? Well, you know, your Wellian book in your in 1984, right? The book within the book tells you exactly what's going to happen. So I, that book is a bestseller. Everybody's read it. And I'm thinking, okay, well, great. So you know what's going on. So, uh, you know, we have three blocks that need to be perennially at war in order not to, in order so that the surplus, whatever, because potentially the system is so productive that we could all be millionaires. But that's exactly the point. They want to, we have structures over this that prevent the distribution of the surplus. And one of the big uh, channels of dissipation is strife and war itself. Um, this parasite, are they that mad? Um, I don't know. Yeah, they're psychopaths, uh, certainly, to the extent that for them, the death of a million people at, at a stroke, if that furthers their aims, is no problem. Is there madness in this? Yes. 
Is it so hard for us to envision it? No, because each of us is a monster in potential. So I think to a certain degree, we can get into their shoes and figure out what to do. And I think it's the greatest exercise that we should do. Um, you know, uh, and and the major, you know, financially, you know, the way to extract resources from us is through taxes and the banking system. And it doesn't require to know the mind of the psychopath to see how they organize that. And it's extremely elaborate. It's extremely well orchestrated and balanced and monitored. And all of these things we can understand. So once you understand this, we have to put all the other pieces together. And that's what I've tried to do. In, in my analysis of 9-11, which has been tormenting me for 20 years, because I couldn't because I couldn't get I'm not talking to about I'm not talking about getting to a solution, but to a formulating a thesis about what it was. And I finally did, for whatever it's worth. And so then you have to figure out the economics, but it's, the economics is not even the most interesting part, nor the most important. Then you have to figure out how they control the mind. For me, that's the most fascinating. And, and they need to do that because they know, I think they know that if 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 things were left to their own designs. You know, of course, nobody would want to wake up at nine to do a shit job for the, for, you know, for all his life, right? And, but for them, it's key. They're only interested in your survival as long as you work. So the whole story, everything, in the light of this, you can explain everything. The war on drugs and all those other shams, you know, and so on and so forth. Why alcohol, yes, and not uh, crack cocaine and crack cocaine, no, and so on. It's always about productivity. You know, they're not interested in you uh, living a healthy life. They're interested in you as a worker. So, you know, up to a certain point, just taking the example of drugs, they trusted alcohol because alcohol, yes, it's a poison. Sure it is, but still a trustworthy one. You could work all your life and then go to the tavern and then kill your liver at age 65. They don't give a shit. You're dead by then and they'll replace you. The other drugs, uh, marijuana or cocaine, they didn't make you reliable on the workplace. And so they were prohibited. But then the economy changes. And then we move from a manufacturing world to a, a world of services because all the manufacturers been relocated in the termite world of Asia. And so now it's all these guys working in, in, in warehouses. They're all stoned, but they can pretty much do the job. And lo and behold, marijuana gets legalized and so on and so forth. I mean, this is the scheme. This is the framework. Well, and how does one maintain like in order to fight this fight, if we're all dependent on the system, I brought this up in my monologue. It's really hard to understand like how we're supposed to pull ahead when we're all pretty much reliant. And and Guido, you brought this up too, like fighting with academia, most of your adult life probably too. Like how mm. do you battle the system in which you're dependent on in order to defeat that system? Yeah, good question. Well, we've uh, it's, we broached something this in our discussion also with. Uh, Silas and 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 Adrian. Um, there. Well, yes, there 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 is a way. I mean, there is there. We can try. Going back to going back to the world. Uh, I mean, if you look at the the whole history of labor and the fights and and you know, even America has a very rich history and Europe not less exciting or tragic than Europe's about people trying to resist. Uh, the oppression in any form and so on and so forth the only way and i was and i keep repeating this if you seek if if you end up seeking a a, a frontal collision with the system you're going to be flattened there is no way and they're too strong too organized you can't do it the, the the only thing we could do is try and it's really hard but there's a way of doing it possibly in the world of insects it's called you know it's it's creating a parallel nest close to the big one where you're kind of under the radar and and it's 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 there's all literature about this about these 
these bugs who basically create a nest close to one and and they create all sorts of trap doors and optical things and in, in order not for the parasites to come in it's there it's nearby it's it's a parallel habitat because you know a lot of these anarchists and people were trying to go abroad to create these colonies and then they never worked and some of them, some of these anarchists like Kropotkin and so on, look at these failures and understood that you should not isolate yourself. Be close to where quote-unquote civilization is. By civilization, we call, you know, those technological advances that could benefit us. I mean, I don't take the anti-technology stance at all. But try to recreate. Can we recreate? So the answer to, to the question is the only way to do this is to try to recreate a nest by in a certain way, in a juridical form, and with some with certain economic um, economic dispositions and arrangements to allow us to survive and not be too seen by them, because you know, and and what economic arrangements? By, I, I mean, basically two things: try to avoid taxation as much as possible, because this is one of the key resources of those regions within bigger confederations that have survived is that they have had special statutes statutes that protected them from excessive taxes which is obviously you know the state sucks resources and the livelihood away from you one and two create your own money so in a sense and as as i've told uh my uh, the, our irish friends these kinds of things we shouldn't be talking about them publicly because we're going to give away the blueprint if we when we're going to have one because they're going to come for you when you're going when you're going to have an alternative uh, an alternative medium of payment organized into these parallel colonies not far from the main nest and this has happened before and i don't want to go into the whole history that required a separate chapter of those few incidents of people who tried to create these communes in the you know 30s of the former century and there have been other incidents lately uh, the system will come to you with the uh, you know with the inspectors of the central banks and the cops to stop you because you are you know you are severing yourself from the main tentacles that just suck the resources out of you so the answer is we have got to find a way to create these parallel nests anything else will not work and you may say well that sounds nice in words but that sounds completely crazy and that's a lot of talk maybe so but the main guidelines and the main ideas have to revolve around this and then we can all get in there come there will have to come a time when all of us have to unite because there's People all over the world are feeling the same things and wanting to do the same. They're not organized yet. The system profits from that, of course, because we're all separated. But to come together and start to organizing these groups and, 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 and brainstorm for trying to see if creating these parallel nests is possible, defending and shielding ourselves enough to then become viral and according to the old slogans of the fathers of anarchism, we'll finally be able to uh, federate and unite you know, the, the free cities that would be the blueprint but you say yeah it looks really utopian well it is but it's worth trying i think well just brief brief observation on that like it's foreseeable you know needs must come at the come at the hour come at the man or come at the woman that you know when the pressure mounts that human beings will adapt and guido asked me this question in a previous conversation what do you think the power structure would fear and it took me a while to come up with that answer, but it's that the human capacity to adapt. Now, if you foresee a kind of an, a, um, a future scenario, 10, 15, 20, 50 years down the line, you get a group with the prop population of technology, you get a group of young people who come up with an idea and the inverted comes outside the nest scenario, uh, 
is along the light pipe. It's along the fiber optic, the zeros and ones, and they come up with a way of transfer of capital or a means of production that is outside the existing system. And it's something that's not necessarily geographically uh, contained within a geographic region. It's along the existing system, yet outside it. It's along the existing, uh, how do you say, infrastructure, yet outside it. So it's a scenario like that that might present that, uh, you know, when the pressure gets to a certain point, it's it's foreseeable that it will present, that human beings will adapt and they will come up with a, a plan B. And the problem for the, you know, you hear this, uh, this word viral, right? It's a viral idea. And it's, you know, the issue for the power structure is that such an ad, a scenario would have an explosively quick uh, mess, mess. How do you say it? Metastasization or whatever you call that kind of a medical word through the body. Metastasizing. Good man, metastasize through the body. Politic quicker than they can react to stop it. Now, all that would involve. Let's go back to the idea again of the maestro improviser. We're all pulling out at the black stuff at this point because we're we're doing what they're doing. It's all democratized and it's just power. And we've all realized that. And it's up. It's a matter of ingenuity. Who applies it to what end? So somebody comes up with a way to reach in there and, you know, rejigs the thing. And they've come up with a scenario or a system that grabs hold quicker than the power structure can offset or combat it. Now you have a problem. And that is a foreseeable, I think, a foreseeable, likely scenario. And I think they'll be doing their level best to stop that and counter that and come up with scenarios to thwart that and offset that. I, I would add as well, this sort of goes to, and I totally agree agree with Guido regarding, you know, siphoning or using a secondary market structures to siphon off uh, resources from, you know, the, the, the central nest, you know, to use that entomological uh, terminology. However, I think this goes to the heart of the problem with conservatism. You're getting a bad echo? Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. All right. Sorry about that. Go ahead, Silas. Sorry. I think this, this sort of comes, goes to the heart of uh, the problem of conservatism. If we think of... Again, if chaos is the currency of change and it is at the center of the very cosmos, right, the creation of it, then if we think of the body politic as, say, a buffalo run or a stampede, right, and the political class, the leisure class, as steersmen, then the problem we have is we have no, our perspective, our uh, the, the way we view ourselves in this dilemma of attempting to bring out, bring about a better world is we have sort of, instead of becoming the steersman of the herd, of the buffalo run, the stampede, we have sort of put ourselves in front of that buffalo run, that stampede, that uh, body politic, that, you know, chaotic uh, motion of, of, of life, of the universe, uh, of politics as well of course of society and the problem is eventually as we see throughout 
the historical record. Conservative, uh, conservatives tend to not conserve anything. You know, they tend to become crushed under the weight of, of uh, you know, ensuing change. The, I think we really have to become steersmen rather, or view ourselves as steersmen of the body politic rather than attempting to stop the momentum of it because that will just fail. So we have to steer that momentum. Uh, it's like what Zeal stated regarding uh, the, the spider shaking off its skin uh, after, you know, after, a, after it decays. I think there is something to it if we understand that this civilization, this system, is so complex, so hyper-bureaucratic, so predatory at this point, so corrupt, that, is, that it is irre irreparable, it's unsalvageable, then perhaps there is something to it to steer in that momentum of decay to, as Zeal stated, you reach a threshold where change must then ensue, a renewal, a rebirth, um, a renaissance, if you will. I hope that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Just a quick two cents on that. Like, as the system, as the system condenses and calcifies and cools and becomes, you know, the sort of Orwellian Huxley slash Huxley dead society, you could ironically foresee a situation where actually economically it becomes less viable because it has less life force, ingenuity, creativity. It has less dynamic energy. So possibly a future descent, if you will, uh, if you if you would take the point that a descent uh, offshoot from that system would have more ostensibly more critical energy, that it may be foreseeable that some sort of a descent organization or offshoot would be economically more viable or would be, have the capacity to develop an, a more economically viable system. So the descent in the future, instead of taking the form of, uh, you know, weapons and the traditional means of rebellion may actually look more like a corporate movement may may look more like a financial movement and may actually it may be that we may be able to buy our independence so to speak from mm. the, from the system and because there's nothing stopping us and perhaps the new nation is actually an economic entity um, all let's face it, all our old nations are plastic antiques, facades, uh, veneers, you know, that they're concealing the corpse of Christmas past. So if we think forward, if human beings think forward and think of a new nation and let's, you know, there's only one show on town. You, you, you still have to play the game. Right. But if the new energy can manifest and prove itself that it's financially competitive and viable, and it can exist in the jungle on its own feet amongst the wolves. Then you've then you got a contender. Then you got a real chance, you know. Because at the end of the day, mm -hmm. it's just business. But may may I add something to that as well? I don't I don't want to go too much off a, on a tangent. Uh, six, if you want a real 
back in the conversation or if you had you oh want- we go wild here man it's, it's no problem and actually uh on that on that topic i'm glad to have uh chris uh from am wake up and rancast here with us too uh to join the conversation what's up chris you know what's going on guys all right nice to meet you yeah man but we're we're stream of consciousness here man like i i set out every week to have like four topics i'd like to talk about but if we ever get to them i don't really care it's it's just fascinating hearing from all of you um and, and what you have to say about these things and you know what we what we talked about at the beginning of the episode though of just like with this uh, is israeli you know gaza or palestine conflict it, it's just that we're I brought up an article where the photojournalists that were on the ground are now being doxxed by organizations for being part of AP and CNN and and people like that being on the ground and and sort of recording what was happening there. But at the same time, though, like there's different layers and dimensions to look at a story like that. One is that if they were there and entrenched in these places and had foreknowledge of these types of operations happening, well, gee. How many other organizations had foreknowledge of that happening? Because if you work for the AP and CNN and they're calling you like, hey, what are you, what are you doing over there in Gaza today? We're like, well, we're, we're about to you know, storm Israel. You know, we're about to go, you know, cut through the gate with a couple wire, a pair of wire cutters. And uh, we're going to ride our bikes you know, in, into the place and start setting some shit on fire. Like, uh, you don't think that that would work its way up the totem pole back to the intelligence agencies that CNN and the AP undoubtedly work with? And those intelligence agencies work with Israel. Like you don't, you don't think that that's sort of like a circular type of communication thing that happens, guys. I'll just throw it out there for the panel. One hundred percent. I mean, I just was uh, real quick. I I can't be on too long. I was just running around uh, trying to contact someone who knew this kid. Well, he's not a kid. He's twenty years old. Uh, Reese Sullivan, who now I just found out it was November 2nd uh, when he was arrested. Uh, the police raided his house. He wasn't there, so they went to his work. They didn't find anything at his house, no weapons, guns, drugs. And uh, they arrested him on first-degree uh, federal uh, terrorist t- charges for lyrics that are in his rap music. So I've been running around talking to people all around the area this morning trying to uh find more information on this guy well and you folks from europe you've seen this occur multiple times right where people are knocking at people's doors from saying the wrong things online i saw that stuff happening to people like odd and tommy robinson years ago um so what what do you all have to say about that hasn't that been happening to you all in the past several years Oh, absolutely. In Scotland, you have vague, uh, a vague term, legal term called stirring up hatred, which, I mean, it's so just, it's, it's such a multifaceted, complex, uh, you know. They do that on purpose. They, the legalese and when they create these bills, that's their spells. Oh, that's certainly, spells yeah. Asked, and then... It's a revelation also. It, it reveals to you what's going on because they've just made a new law or created a license for you to do something what they consider illegal. That's what a license or a permit's for, right? And uh, and then you're trapped in it, basically. And then they can they can slap the cuffs on you or the little 33s and, and, and send you into the, the slammer. Uh, right now, uh, last night, Tucker Carlson did a, an interview with Douglas Mackey. Douglas Mackey, who went by... Uh, uh, Ricky Vaughn 
in 2016 during the election uh, would tweet out memes uh, and he tweeted out a meme, which he didn't even make this meme, but the meme said to vote for Hillary, text this number. And it was like, it's a joke. Oh, I recall that. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I recall and he's that. facing seven months in prison. They wanted to give him 10 years in prison, seven months in prison. They said that Douglas Mackey with less than 60,000 followers had more influence than all of M- MSNBC, CNN, Hillary Clinton's fake Russian dossier had more influence than uh, Biden and Obama's uh, 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 operations going on, had had more influence than paid influencers, had more influence than all of the mainstream media combined. And he was facing 10 years in federal prison. Uh, Luckily, it, it come down to 10 or seven months, but. It, it doesn't matter. It's the same with this Reese kid. Because the thing, this is my backyard where this has happened now. Uh, so, like, with this Reese kid, it says that he may, you know, talked about killing people, talked about uh, raping people, talked about school shootings, talked about, uh, it says, raping children. But I haven't heard the anything. I've not heard any of the music. And honestly, when it comes to the music, I don't really give a fuck what is said in the music uh, because it does not matter. It's, you understand? I mean, it does not matter. Well, yeah, yes. At that You're point, there's a group of musicians here too. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we all feel yeah. that, right? So yeah, I, was, and I, I, I'm, I, I release metal songs, right? Of which I, 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 I love, make mur- I make love that voice, metal. brother. Love that voice, brother. Thanks, yeah. man. I make murder metal is what I call it. Right. I mean, it's for war. It's for battle. I mean, it's for it's 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 aggressive. It's violent. It'll certainly make you do some overhead presses. Yeah. (laughs) So like and, and, you know, me and Steve cover. Was it last week? I think it might have been last week when I have I have the 11th edition of the Black's Law Dictionary right here. And then he has two different ones. I think he has one from like the 60s. And we were kind of just like comparing uh, the definition of terrorist, and and in his, it was just a single definition. In mine, <clears throat> you have that definition of terrorist, and then it opened up. Speak of Steve himself, the and <laughs> mine opens up into subcategories of terrorism. So these blanket terrorisms, and right now this kid's looking at first. Not to mention, I mean, this happened in, in November second. Okay. Uh, is what I found out now. Uh, so he is out. Uh, so I can, I can find him. The problem is, is he's gagged. Right, he's not allowed to make a statement. He's not allowed to. I mean, he's being. I mean, this is what they've done to Trump and uh, Jones, and supposedly. But uh, God damn it, if Steve's camera is going to be on, I'm turning mine on. Uh, right. <laughs> but you know, I mean. We're we, flipping the trend, Chris. We're flipping right. the freaking trend Church right now. Skins. Uh, but the I was just kidding. Uh, but I'll yeah, get I mean, one eventually. It's just this damn economy. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. I mean, look at the what is me personally. What's going on right now is like I got this buddy. We and him, we've been friends for 20 plus years. We always argue back and forth. He's on one side. I'm on the. I'm not on the other. It's just I want the truth, right? And to this other side, it's like if you touch their side or, you know, it doesn't align with their truth, it's a, you know, you know what I'm saying. 
uh <clears throat> but i had told him 20 years ago and then i told him like fucking you know just the last three years really pressing it in of what is happening that the social credit score the fucking digital id that at some point they're going to be coming arresting us for what we're saying on the fucking internet and shit you know they're already doing it in china other countries australia uh, ireland i believe scotland uh you know they're already doing that and I, you get those answers of well that's there it'll never happen here and now boom it's right down the road right in my backyard they arrested someone for his lyrics they uh analyzed nine videos all with music clearly art like i said i don't give a shit what it says yeah. it says horrible shit that's fucked up it really comes down to the fact that the first amendment now is 100 percent stomped into the fucking ground have we been able to figure out what his performer performing name was and nope, what they the, blacked the everything is? They blacked everything. His uh, affidavit is pretty much all redacted. And then they've uh, locked down all of his social medias and have took we control of them. Let's, what about? Very, sorry to cut across you, man, but I'm sorry to cut across you there. But just very briefly uh, to interject there, you know, when you're dealing with a character like Tommy Robinson or uh, in the past, uh, you know, a big character in the media, say Charlie Manson in the 60s or Ronald McDonald, you know, any corporate entity that's in the mainstream view, the public, you, you always got to ask the question, who's funding these people? 100%. You know, what's the real deal? especially uh, with regard to Mr. Robinson in the UK, there you have ostensibly a sort of a working class sort of, a, how do you say it, man of the people, right? Tommy's presented as that in, in the in the media, but, you know, you do a little bit of research and you find out that that may not necessarily be the case. So all of a sudden, the information you're presented with, you... I think you, you're in. We're in a situation where you can't necessarily react. You can categorize that information in a, in a non-emotive, non-emotional manner, but it's mm -hmm. that's nearly in. So that's as far as you can sort of go with it, because if you take the point that we are currently been subjected to essentially a psychological readjustment slash psychological warfare scenario with information, then theoretically all information should be regarded as tainted until absolutely proved otherwise because if you've been led by your emotions you've been led by the nose and this goes back to you know some of the stuff earlier on the call here with the presentation of you know photographs from conflict that are happening we're we're told down in israel right on the border whatever you know all of it we, you have to we have to think like soldiers you have to think like Special Forces Psychological Operations Department, where you've been presented with information. Chris, you know, what do I do here? AM wake up. What do I do here? You're my mm -hmm. corporal. You're my commander. Advise me. I'm presented with this information. Should I jump to the left or the right? Please tell me what to do. I'm your infantry. I'm out on the front line. I get my ass shot off here if I make the wrong move. So you're the guy who knows... What the deal is, what should I do? You know, well, and I if think we had a colonel here, I think it would be Steve. Steve, what would you say to that? <laughs> I don't even know oh. how the ranking works. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I don't uh, either. They would never allow me in, in such an organization. <laughs> I'd fail out immediately. <laughs> I mean, look, the if it, and I think I heard, I think it was Zielberg who was talking earlier when I was listening in. If what you're trying to do is form a more complete picture of the way that the world works, you don't jump left or right in the first fucking place. I, you know, that's not going to give, it's not going to give you a complete field of view, right? You want to find the high ground. You want to be able to survey as much of the land as possible. And you don't want, you don't want your moves to, to necessarily be dictated by what, what your jump is. You know what I mean? I don't know if that helps or make it. Oh, that helps a lot. That helps a lot. And that makes a lot of sense. Because I think what you're telling me is is to evaluate the battlefield, as it were, and as you as you say, to use your you know the imagery, take the high ground, figure out what's going on. Because I think the inference is they they likely want me to move in a certain direction. And I think what you're telling me is I should sort of be aware of that a little bit by by you know taking the full view, the full the wide the wide view of the thing. I think that's where, and, and I think that's good advice i think as well just to touch on your point zeal about you know tommy robinson and what we would sort of colloquially term as controlled opposition uh, i'm not saying he is or he is not but you know just that general concept you always see and it was especially uh, sort of prolific here um or not prolific right uh, you know, we saw it a lot here when they were taking away free speech, even gun rights as well, where they would use these narratives, use these really vilified uh, characters to, in essence, uh, sort of build that narrative up that, say, the working class in, in regards to Tommy Robinson. The working class is, vil- you know, is, is a villain. Yes. Uh, they are evil. If That's what I'm saying. It's a war on, yeah. and it's it's a world war. It's a, I mean, exactly. we've been saying this. It's a world psyop. Psyop. It's a war. It's a world war right now. World War Three. There's no bullets right now. Uh, it's all a psyop, and every country seems to have basically fallen to this. Uh, as far as like we're, like I was saying with the legalese and being basically that's cat spell cast. What is your sp- Steve's pretty happy today. Uh, <laughs> I did death to tyrants is posting memes that the look at so far, so far he's the outlier for people who can't appreciate the banjo. So I'm just gonna, you know, there is an internal civil war here for our friends from Europe. I'm sure that you all can appreciate, especially as musicians, that, uh, yeah, we, we are on the side of the banjo here, I believe, on this panel. But there are those among us that are not on the side of the banjo. I'm, I'm going to bask in banjo supremacy, and I do. I, I, I stand by uh, the the great banjo player Steve Martin said that you can't – it's such a happy instrument that you can't, like, deliver bad news. You can't be in a bad mood when it's being played and i agree with him that it probably would have saved nixon probably would have yeah a little banjo playing behind uh, biden maybe 
Yeah, yeah. Trump, Biden Trump came out and was like, America can be described in one word. And instead of, it was, you know, people would be like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, you know, he's on this. I get it. I understand. <laughs> Even That's Black right. America would be like, that speaks to the soul of my ancestors. It does. It does. I get it. I get it. Yeah. But I mean, no. Trump's got a. That's, that's what he went with. What's it like viewing from the uh, the other worlds, the old world, as we call it here in the states? Like, what, what's it like looking at uh, someone like a Joseph Robinette Biden with uh, his weekend at Bernie's uh, impersonations over here? What, what do you all think? Of, it, it's what, a good question. It's a good question, right? Uh, it's my two cents on it, real quick. Since we started, since I started conversations with people from across the water, as it were, in America two three years ago online the world shrank and we realized that america was not a different planet you know we realized americans were actual real people who thought about stuff who had arms and legs like we had they had hair on the top of their head they drank coffee they, they weren't just a phenomenon that was on tv it was actually a real country you know and we from talking to american people online it broke down a lot of barriers for me and i know from some of the american people i talk to as well because a lot of the stuff that we've been all dealing with is is real and it's kind of like we broke down each other's psyops a little bit because when you grow up in a in a society you know you're surrounded by that society and by osmosis you absorb it you sort of become a little bit of it but by talking to people you know on, on across the divide or the water whatever you sort of broke down that and you got to the human thing and we realize, you know, there's so much going on that we have in common that actually I think is a huge threat to the power structure. It's a massive threat because any any degree, as, as Silas says before, you can't kill the idea or the sensibility of the idea or, or that type of understanding. That's like rust on the system for them. And I think it's something they are afraid of. And, uh, you know, I, uh, as to how it may manifest down the line, I don't think it, it ever needs to manifest as a violent thing. As the man says, Steve, there it could be the banjo. The banjo or, or, or the, the cat meme could be the, the weapon of the future. You know what I mean? It's like the banjo well, alone could destroy the system. Why not? It's just all that's, that's, why they're going, that's why they're going after art. Because vehicles yep. such as that can pass on ideas. Ideas, of course, are inherently pathogenic. They're very contagious, if it's a good idea, of course. Uh, so you have to control the, the marketplace of ideas. How do you do that? You do it indirectly, subtly, through controlling speech. If you control speech, then you control uh, the conveyance of ideas. Therefore, you control de facto the marketplace of ideas. You regulate it. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that Douglas Mackey case here in the United States, he's going to prison for a meme that he didn't even make. That's nuts. He well, posted it. We uh, we covered that a while back, Lisa and I. And um, one of the things about that story with Douglas Mackey is, though, is that what what they got him on specifically was more posting the incorrect date of the election of people which is the dumbest fucking thing on the planet yeah. because that's one of the oldest political dirty tricks under the sun it's been protected mm -hmm. as free speech going back to the 1960s you can go down to twitter you can go down twitter and stuff to past elections and see that right you know what i did learn though just this morning just this morning i learned this 
apparently one of uh, one of Doug's best friends is a fellow who goes by the name of Weave. Now, if your ears didn't perk up when I said Weave, there's a whole lot of of internet lore that that you know I don't think we necessarily have the total time to cover but suffice it to say that way back in the day weave was one of the originators of a whole bunch of forge and fuckery um i was gonna say this guy's been set up i mean it's amazing that he's the only one that gets indicted out of this you know the one person out of this whole thing i well, don't know so we ended up going to prison years ago We've tried to run for office from prison. He got a phone in. He was doing all kinds of wild shit. Um, but he is 100% a chaos agent. It's So Weave was one of the f earlier people to go to jail after giving some exclusive camera time to a guy named Tim Pool, like in the uh, post-Occupy days. Ooh right after occupy and that was when like that was at a time when anyone who showed up on temple's camera went to jail shortly after this is pogo. really weird time really weird pogo, time pogo pogo yeah we're mm -hmm. gonna have to cover pogo on on am wake up uh one of these days because <coughs> that's what this is operation pogo having these influencers and these websites and stuff that are set up they're allowed to you know toe that line even Dude, Hillary Clinton line. was giving instructions to Anonymous a year and a half ago on the fucking Joe Scarborough morning show. Dude, Hillary Clinton was on fucking stage talking about Douglas Mackey's hurtful meme, which I have a, I have a, if you can screen. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I was about to ask uh, you when we bring that up. Yeah. But, but you uh, know, here's, here's the thing though. Um, I, I, Chris was, you, you stated that, you know, it, it seems to be, uh, irrefutable that douglas mackey didn't even make up the mean yeah so, he just did the uh the um interview with tucker it, it was guys, the number guys, not the I'm date sorry. it was the number I'm that sorry. he gave not the I'm date sorry if i interrupt yeah I'm sorry go ahead I interrupt. please i'm sorry i'm i'm completely lost I, I haven't followed any of this could you summarize what the issue is here so i can uh this why is this so important what is happening here um Someone being sent to prison for posting this meme right here is extremely dangerous. We're in extremely dangerous times. Someone right down the road from me was just arrested for his rap lyrics. Who is who is Douglas Mackey? I, uh, Douglas I mean, Mackey oh. went by the name uh, Ricky Vaughn. On yeah. that was the pseudo name on Twitter. He had fifty plus less fifty, but less than sixty thousand followers. They claim that he had more influence than all of mainstream media all the paid influencers well, what is what is this meme why did they focus on this thing the meme was telling people to vote from home by texting this number it wasn't giving them the incorrect date i was i was wrong on that and, and because so he far, gave them the incorrect information to vote that was in violation of some sort of law that they're using to go yes and hillary clinton's to... on stage saying that mm -hmm. this is the fucking person who paid someone to create a fake dossier yeah. at the exact same fucking time. Could you explain? Could you explain? You know why this we, bitch explain? probably fucking paid for this fucking. I'm sorry. I, this shit. Oh, I fucking hate this. Could fucking you explain? Shit. Could you explain why they would be? Why they would? You know, 
she probably paid the, for this meme, dude. Well, why would they go to you know the trouble of you know going after some some guy with not even? I mean, it's it's they spent forty eight million shaking our boots is what they're trying to fucking do. They Look, spent forty eight million dollars of taxpayer money on the Mueller investigation to find yep. out that a couple of memes that were released after the election didn't have the outsized influence that people once thought they did. Yeah, they're trying to claim that this influenced people's voting decisions and therefore violated voting laws in the United States. We've handed 200 plus billion dollars in the last 20 months to a midget cokehead in Ukraine so that they could fucking traffic 70 percent of the weapons that got sent over there. Okay. Like of, I did. I don't I clearly, is it, Steve, influenced there is their no elections. Amount, there's no amount of fake money. That these people won't waste on some shit if but, it benefits a, an ongoing agenda, but because from the, the money's from, not real. From the so perspective, would, from the perspective of the people in power, why would they go? Why would they do this? What do they gain by doing this? I mean, well, they get one more. It's one more boot stamping on down on regular people who are up to just general fuckery, intimidation. They want to. Yeah. Gonna Go scare ahead. people into silence. All right. Yes. Where's, where's the, wait, hang on, real quick. Where's the fucking Irishman? We have a we have a God given right to shenanigans. Am I right or or am I right? <laughs> uh, you've got God given right, one hundred percent. All right, you have our blessed. It's just like when they're sitting in. Okay, there's trials going on uh, to attempt to get Trump thrown off the ballot, right? And God damn it, I just lost where exactly I was going. What did you guys say right before that? My two my two cents on it, right? This is just my two cents on it. Damn it. The shenanigans, as you rightly say, once your head is in the crossfire of all that stuff, they've got you right where they want you. Which is everybody. Essentially, they have AI. Yeah. Well, if you have a voice on the internet, you are in the crossfires. That's essentially, why gang stocks all the time. That's why. You, you, but, you have trouble streaming and this out. means to label with... people too is missing misinformation yep. like that's been but, a huge thing the past couple of years here in american politics is misinformation and when you yep. post something that tells people to vote a particular way in which they cannot vote which is a clear joke that if they texted that or even tested it the day of the the the, the day of the election they would clearly see that they didn't get any response or it's something that's unofficial it was it was and that's be a thing joke that's anyone the actually fell for it, right? That I don't know is did people text it? They said a couple thousand people did text this number. Now, what All did it is a handful back? of examples, Chris, to damn these people because other people like exactly. just like we've talked about with Ian Freeman um, uh, up in the um, New Hampshire area that that was part of Free Talk Live. Our friend Gard mentioned him last week. Um, you know, people Owen's, they, Owen Schroer is in prison right now. Mm -hmm. Well, Owen's a different case, but we can get to that. But with uh, Ian Freeman, though, all they needed was a handful of examples of people that were duped by others using his uh, monetary network, and they shithammered him for that. They only so, need just a couple examples, and you don't even need to be closely associated with it for them to label you as, as a criminal. Right, Lisa? Does Doug Maggie disclose as to who made the real meme? Oh. He don't know. He found it on uh, uh, 4chan. Wow. And 4chan, as we probably it's most CIA. of us are familiar with, like yeah. Langley or something like like eighty per, I, eighty or ninety percent. I of think the, you, I, I think you need to expect all this carry on. You know, 
You're, yeah. It's like you bought a ticket onto uh, a ship that is sinking, mm-hmm. and you're complaining to the captain. Do you realize there's water coming in the hole? Like the thing is to get off psychologically, get off the ship completely with regard to the presentation of information to your mind. It's all of it is contaminated. There's very little, if any, point I feel in getting politically agitated or angry or enraged with, with what's happening around us because it's a done deal. It's a, it's gone. It's gone. You're, you know, there's no point in getting upset about it. So the new political energy has to think completely outside the box away from all this stuff because it's just draining the battery of your mind. So that's yeah, but what, what do we do with, 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 uh, the, as the American shaman calls them, the dinosaurs in of, place. You can't, you can you become them. You become one. You become your own dinosaur. Back to the jazz musician thing. They're jamming, we're jamming. So it's, it's for the taking. There's a, there's a dem- democratizing leveling moment here with the technology that's open to everyone that can dramatically alter the playing field. It calls for innovative, forward thinking, um, enabled thinking, not reactive thinking, not because if you were reacting, they've got you 100%. They've got you. So you've got to think. It's back to that kind of scenario where you represent. It's battlefield stuff. You've got to think like a soldier, special ops. You're presented with information. What are you doing with it? You categorize it, put it in a file, and walk away. And you've got to keep walking between the cracks of what they're presenting to you. You've got to you know, do a Bruce Lee on it. You've got to mm-hmm. find your way through. Well, see, I think a lot of that comes down to principles too. Like if you, if yeah, if you're a principled person, like someone that had like the, um, well, just the discipline of a Bruce Lee, for instance. Let me tell you you something. Let me tell you something. Strong principles are great, but it's like being a a real good cop in a real bad neighborhood. Okay. You know, this is a bad town now. This is a tough neighborhood. It's run by crooks, gangsters, criminals of a mastermind scenario and you're in that town with principles it's escape from now, new york basically yeah <laughs> essentially so the only the only person's ass you can look out for number one is your own and the people around you now if you can find a few able-bodied people who are on point and understand the game you have a chance possibility to make an alliance with them and 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 then there's a strength in numbers scenario but you're not going to change the town no way you're not going I to think change one thing that's it's crucial in all that too is the verification of information like to rely on any other entity or other organizations to verify the what's going on in reality for you I, I think that you know one of the things that we're doing here in TMP is that we're starting to work with folks like Ken Silva from headline USA uh, who do investigative journalism and bring those types of stories to people like us so we can, you know, at least gather around what we believe is real. But like you said, I mean, only through a certain lens, you know, through the, the, the technology that we have to verify any of that stuff. So mm-hmm. what, what Steve and the people from AM Wake Up have been doing and others has been doing public gatherings and starting to do events and things, things like the, what happened last weekend with the uh, mm-hmm. Third Eye Carnival. And that's the mm. best way for me. Like the magic really happens when you're talking about gathering the people close to you and others and like-minded yeah. people. The real magic happens in person. Yeah, hundred percent. Back to the people who are related to the, the metal scene and, and the music scene. 
all of you who've been in bands over the years and you know gave up long ago on a record contract and said you know what fuck it it's going to be diy we'll print our own we'll make our own recordings we'll get our own rehearsal room we'll do up our own patches for the jackets we'll do the t-shirts we'll do the album covers we'll do it all ourselves we'll set up our own gigs it's a diy punk ethic is is the way forward and all this stuff completely self-motivated independent small units functioning working together and, and getting forward through it all is 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 the i think is the message the way forward and i like it like i'm sure you guys are the D, the diy thing in punk and metal scene uh gave a little proto prototype for that you know uh, we can we can we've learned a lot from it we've seen the huge things that people can achieve with you know meager resources just just that they have that instinct uh in their hearts and minds you know and then, well, and then ironically, the punk scene here, oh, the worst. I mean, they went. Jello be offered telling you to go get go your shots videos. while wearing his mask at his own house. Yeah. Well, yeah. they get bought out, you see. You have to, you have to allow for that. Wait you a minute. What did you just say, Six? Jello be sitting in his oh. own house with his mask Sorry, on. I said John Davis. I seen where. This is just trying to trigger my situational Tourette's is yeah. what's going on. He he knows that the, historically this particular this particular vein it just usually it hurt, you know it hurts us. It hurts fucking, us deeply. Oh the fucking Geraldo. Yep. I mean, uh, punk music. I mean, as soon as punk went Green Day back in the '90s, I think it was it was fucking dead pretty much there. I mean, there's there's some there's some hardcore bands that I still throw it up to, like uh, you know, good good on um, the Madball up in New York for throwing shows during COVID. You know, regardless of lockdowns and things like that, sticking it to the man. Love that energy. That's where it belongs. Um, you know, and that's why I've always looked at punk as a form of folk music it follows sort of that line of it where it's just like this is the people's music this isn't something that you were um commissioned to write for somebody in power like this is your truth to power your lyrics and and your people and your culture um but yeah that so much of that has lost its luster because those of us that have followed that type of music and looked up to those people they've failed us in in, in mass like for the most part. So, I mean, who uh, for the European panelists that we have here uh, for a, uh, a sec, um, who are your idols that uh, sort of passed away to you during COVID or other related things these past several years? Like who are you, uh, who are your Jello Piafras? <laughs> oh, um, that's actually a very good question. <laughs> I, I can't actually recall. Uh a lot of the punk thing though died for me. I, I I'm a lover of punk music as well, uh, and it just it, it pretty much was was dead to me uh, during the COVID uh, fiasco. Just again, as as you've uh, all stated here, because of the hypocrisy that supposedly they have anti-establishment views, yet they're entirely pro-establishment. Uh, so the hypocrisy there was, you know, that, that sort of broke my heart. In many ways, I, I just I fell away from the punk thing after that. But yeah, and Guido, since you had a background in music, did you ever fall in the punk stuff or get involved in any of that? I mean, you said you're a Who fan. They're known as the Godfathers of punk. So did that lead you yeah. in any of that kind of stuff? Punk? Uh, no, not so much. I did not follow punk, but uh, I didn't know about Jello Biafra and wearing a mask. That's uh, that's pretty depressing. I, I agree. 
but no, no, I've not uh, followed that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Is there any punk left? I thought it uh, died a while back, but uh, was was there any active punk band left in the last 20 years? But it, it's another thing with punk, though, and I'm sure that people out there listening that listen to punk music would agree with this, too, is that I think it also depends on the genre of punk that you're talking about. There's Yo, dude, the Melvins that, never stopped. Yeah. Love all right the melvins played like two weeks ago yes i did they they never in fact if you go to whenever uh whenever there's like a, a punk rock bowling or something like that you you find out who's actually still kicking it and still doing the thing reagan you at least paul cripple uh, never quit performing as Reagan Youth, or well, he did, but I mean, brought it back around a number of years ago. And Reagan Youth was performing throughout uh, the entire lockdown. Um, definitely it anti mandate shit like that. Um, one of the few people that were like, Look, dude, the government's telling you to do this. Are you really sure that you've thought this through? Are you really sure? Aren't we supposed to question this stuff just kind of, you know, on principle? Um, sadly, few and far between. But, I mean, we've had conversations with people like Pete Prada, who got kicked out of the offspring for not taking the jab, and, and Michael Graves, for, uh, who fronted the Misfits for a number of years after Henry Rollins left, um, who, uh, you know, have been doing projects throughout uh, Pete Prada's in a band called The Defiant right now with uh, people from other former, you know, former members of other pretty big, you know, punk and whatever groups uh, who left because of COVID fuckery. Um, uh, dudes from uh, like the boss, the singer from the Boston's because the Boston's broke up over it. He was like, no, <laughs> I'm not. And they were like, oh, you can kick rock. So it's going to be really funny for, to try to hear the Mighty Mighty Boston's without that fucking voice. You know what I mean? But um, <laughs> I, th I think as well that the system seems to take things that may, you know, within their, their early stages, their sort of nascency, that are grassroots, that are, you know, they have that spirit of rebellion within them. And I don't know if it's an outgrowth of consumerism, probably is. They take it and they, they remold it, they package it into something that, you know, still it has that sort of plastic sheen to it of rebellion. Yeah, it's it's just fake. It is not rebel rebellious at all. You brought up Green Day. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I like quite a lot of the, the pop punk stuff. Uh, uh, not, not Green Day onwards, but yeah, the Descendants. I was quite into them. They're oh. a very good band, yeah. The Descendants. Unfortunately, I believe the lead singer's just taken a heart attack as well. That was the <laughs> the one the one bit of sad news that I, I recently had uh, from the the punk scene. Uh, they were they were a very good band, very good music, something totally different, radical, I would say. Uh, but yeah, the system seems to do that. It takes things and just uh, puts that fake. Uh, twist upon them and uh, really twist their entire spirit and intention. It's the Pepsi revolution. 
you know that that's the thing <laughs> about it like you think that you're choosing like the the greatest new thing to oppose the old thing and that new thing is just another corporatist packaged thing for you to consume that's all it really becomes yeah it's like king bozo's buddy kurt cobain ah, he's a good good example yeah. of that a corporate uh <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Buzzo. Yeah, Buzzo shits on him in a recent interview that I listened to too. Uh, but he does that. know. He does know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe no, not so much know. back in the day. Yeah. No, no. I mean, you know, April was in on that sacrifice. Oh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. And and for people that know about the way that um, musicians get paid, drummers notoriously do not get as much as the other people in songwriting credits and stuff like that. Percussion is not the type of thing that you. Um, you, you copyright as much of things of the, of the music oh yeah i mean levon helm famously from the group the band uh was just shafted i mean anybody that listens to the band and hears levon's voice and his style of drumming it's iconic and you immediately attach to it that dude got screwed really, up so much money really by Robbie the, robertson and other people yeah the meat and the potatoes is the drums it's really the meat the meat and the potatoes you the guys food. really do have no fucking idea how hard it is to count for yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, when it comes to drums, you know, it's definitely the meat, the it meat. is insanely hard to count to four when you're right in the middle of a rock and roll show. That's a fact. The that kick is, drums I are can like absolutely meat. attest to that. We're trying to do some Tin Lizzy covers over here, and uh, yeah, China, Chinatown. It's another Irish band for you guys. Chinatown mm-hmm. has a kind account in it. And the guitar solo, we have to count to nine. There's an extra beat at the end of the bar. And you do that three times. And I cannot do it unless I count to nine. So as Steve says there, when you're in the middle of rocking out, it's surprising how easy it is to go one, two, three, six, four. Where was I? (laughs) (laughs) That's why I love stuff like Meshuggah. Because when you listen to like polyrhythms being played in bands like that, and just you watch Thomas Hacks drumming, like he's just full. You guys are talking level. some nerd shit when you're talking like, shit. Like all I do is just who the fuck counts. <laughs> yeah, dude, I just feel it and go with it. Well, your job is to yell. That's yeah, your job. You don't have to count. You just have to yell. The remembering drummer to has to count. Though. I'll say that for singers: remembering to breathe, and especially when you're doing those screams and you're using your soft palate. Like if you're not breathing right, man. You will blow your vocal cords apart. <laughs> blow them to pieces. Just yeah. like Sinister Gates and uh, uh, Chino Marino and all those guys have gotten massive re- vocal reconstructive surgeries and things like that. Just blowing their pipes out, man. Nobody knew. And then Melissa Cross comes along and she starts teaching everybody how to oh, do yeah. it. Melissa and Cross, you, you aren't familiar, great, about- great skills. Great skills learned there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, do you, yeah, do you mind if I just ask you guys a question? Like, do, do you have a general sense that like America is has hit the deck or it's run away from you, or is is there a sense of confusion over there, or is there? Are hey, people... wake up stands for anarchy in the morning. So um, I don't think we really care if there's a state anymore over here. In well, fact, there here, probably shouldn't be. I mean, I care deeply about a lot of people who are unfortunately, you know, very surprised right now and have been in a state of perpetual confusion for the last, I don't know, seven to 10 years. Some of them, 
have been in a state of of perpetual confusion since we got a black guy with a Muslim name who went and immediately bombed, you know, seven Muslim countries and got a Nobel Peace Prize for it. That's still a head scratcher for a lot of people. So, you know, I, I, I care about them. But I mean, you know, my my good friend Charlie Robinson wrote a book called The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire mm. a few years ago. And, and we're inarguably in the middle of that. So it I mean, the there's a couple of ways to to approach this clear reality. You know, you can't you can't argue away from the fact that this is an empire in some state of free fall. You can uh-huh. argue till you're blue in the face about whether or not it's a controlled demolition or if it's one political party or the other political. Mm. But but you can't mm. argue away from the reality. Mm. So, you know, you could either get distracted arguing about it or you could go do something like get to know the people who produce your food, start growing your own food wherever possible, mm. start organizing <laughs> immediate mutual aid networks if mm. you're in heavily urban areas because that's what it's going to take. It's coordinated mutual aid groups doing different shit mm. in tandem instead of everybody trying to pull resources from everybody else in order mm. to fund your organization. You just do your organization and everybody else in turn kind of makes up for the shit that is missing until you settle on a currency or you barter on a currency. But it's going to take counter economics. It's going to take parallel structures. It's going to take parallel systems. All of these things have already been done. All of these things have already been done successfully, already half or more in operation. There's people who have been doing the work for decades. Most of us just need to remember this shit and fucking get over some dumb shit and get to work. Mm-hmm. And just out of curiosity, TMP, I hope you don't mind me asking the question. But no. uh, uh, like, do you do you foresee that the thing is like you know a shit at the fan type moment where you're going to have a complete breakdown of the society in time, or do you see a cold kind of a, a decay, or what's your kind of sense of the thing? Are people you speak to? What's your general feeling? Are, are people afraid? You know, or or do people see it coming? Is there a tension there in people that they're kind of getting concerned about this kind of scenario? And, you know, it it stopped becoming hypothetical and it's now looking a lot more real, like a real scenario. Or what's your general feeling of the mood in the camp? Well, it depends on what you're what how you deem or label the decay. Right. Because I think that things are constantly in that state of entropy, like things are constantly moving on and evolving. But, you know, as you know, probably history rhymes. You know, things happen over again in different cultures and it's repeated, you know, so whether it's punk music or metalcore, you know, people fall into the same types of traps when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, as far as like the civilizational or like organizational collapse of what we know is America, like I think that we're probably pretty far off from the entity that we know as the American government from collapsing. I, mm. I think that that's something that will, you know, pre- you probably go well into the next you know century as we we begin this now but you know the other thing about that is though is that what it will become um i think that right now that we are experiencing um the take on of of a new sort of ownership over and governance over what happens in the world and i call it the global corporatist oligarchy 
I see things constantly being sucked into and, uh, and centralized and into certain entities that are often deemed as private when they're not. Um, they are filled with people from the intelligence agencies and the military and different mm -hmm. forms of tech. Um, and we are constantly bombarded with their propaganda and with mm -hmm. their, their reasons for what we do. Um, our culture, from our education to what we see on every little screen in our world, is completely manipulated and, 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 co and correlated in a way to uh, allow people to you know, just accept the system. Like we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're told that we're fighting the bad guys, but we're not exactly told what bad guys and good guys are anymore. Mm -hmm. Like the, all, all of the lines now have been blurred in a way where it's mm -hmm. just like if they point to something, we screech like in body snatchers. Mm -hmm. And that happens in the alternative media too. Uh, we're constantly driven by outrage and yeah. other types of stories and things like that too that never really lead to any ends or organization out of things just people getting pissed off and maybe throwing some shit uh, around or something like that and, and 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 you know chatting about it maybe if they're lucky with other people but you know as far as like the immediate collapse unless something like really bad happens like an emp you know which you mm -hmm. never know um mm -hmm. that could occur but uh, and the other thing is, is that, you know, when it comes to the faith in the centralized systems, like uh, I don't want to replace one with another because this one falls on my side of the culture. Like it's just because mm -hmm. I'm a metalhead, that doesn't mean I want metalheads to take over the U.S. government. I don't mm -hmm. want a U.S. government anymore. I think mm -hmm. that the idea of our Constitution has failed us uh, ginormously. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there is no penalty to the government for uh, suppressing our speech, for censoring us, uh, for um, taking our guns away, for anything like that. There is no penalty built into the system, in the Constitution, mm -hmm. and in our form of governance to even go after the people that are in power that violate what, what are even our basic rights, let alone mm -hmm. all the other bullshit that they create. So mm -hmm. I think that a lot of that, for me, has just lost its appeal over the years. So now I'm just turning to small form government that's operated by voluntary people. And mm -hmm. I don't see any other ways really to move forward into the future because with the right type of technology and the right principles like that, I feel that we can exist in a world where we can generate our own energy as units, trade them in currency and along with other forms. We can live more independently off the grid and in tune with Mother Nature, but we can also at the same time uh, you know, take technology to a place where we are getting rid of famine. We're getting rid of people that are dying from starvation and from dehydration and other things like that. We can wipe out a lot of the evils uh, of just of the world too, but in order to get there, like Steve said, like we just have to figure out like how the how the basic blueprint of that really works. And I've had some friends of mine, you know, discuss certain things. Like Lisa and I have a friend. His name is Vince Agnelli, and he wrote a book called The Public Wheel and You, and Wheel being spelled W-E-A-L. It's a really interesting book because it talks mm. about how the Constitution failed us way back when and why we need to restart the country over again. Now, I wouldn't restart the country because I don't, again, I wouldn't want the country. I don't want a president. I don't want somebody in a position of power to be able to just, you know, unbelievable, just to declare war for hundreds of days without Congress and other things like that. In fact, I don't want Congress making that decision either. I don't want mm. people that are representing me going to war on behalf of me because I would never go to war. Mm. So I don't, I don't know what, to, I, don't, I don't have a club really to sign up for. I'm lucky I, I found a, a place, you know, here on AM Wake Up with other people that kind of see this as, as, as I do, I think.
So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy enough just to find this small group of people and the great audience that we have to be able to discuss these things. And I think going forward, like as far as like having events like Third Eye Carnival and others and getting to meet in person, uh, the things that AM Wake Up is doing with the beef initiative to make sure that we have clean food and that we have access to that and in a way outside of the the controlling devices of the global corporatist oligarchy i think mm. that there's no better future than a, than a voluntary a, a, a future that's based on the idea of what isaiah berlin would call negative rights you know mm. as opposed mm. to the oh we're going to bomb you until you're free type of positive rights that that's mm. what i would back Mm-mm. Well, Jesus, man, there's a lot in what you said there. Like, I just want one point, like the the state, the nation state, the constitution, you know, I think is it Jefferson, one of the guys said, you know, there is no constitution that functions in the absence of a moral people. So like what I'm trying to say is that the, the head of the system is infected. It's got an infection, a foreign agent. And it's like, I understand the rationale, you know, throw that body out because it's it's got leprosy. We don't want it anymore. But, you know, the, the problem was, it's like you throw out the baby with the batwater scenario, is that, you know, you've lost the whole thing now because of that infection. But I, I understand your rationale. You know, you say government, get rid of it. Uh, but the, the, the kind of, the, 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 the conflict I have in my heart about it is that, you know, we fought hard, sort of, if you if you go back along over hundreds of years, for the thing to settle down where we could have a constitution, where we could have a government. And now we have to throw all that out, sort of thing. So it's just say me, the individual. I agree to that. I say, okay, fair enough. It's infected. Get rid of it. So, But now I'm in a scenario where potentially, as an individual, I have no protection, you know? And I may need I may need to fight my corner. And this is the problem I feel if you with respect, allow me to make the point, is that if if you find yourself, if the individual finds himself or herself in this scenario, that potentially you've got no protection. But your oligarchs and your structure, your superstructure is still at play. So they can effectively manifest a kind of a civil war slash Mad Max scenario now in society. And this is, you know, this has been spoken about. Jack Attlee spoke about this, you know, in the book he wrote, A Brief History of, uh, of the Future, where the thing will break down and you now will need to pay like an insurance levy for protection because they'll stealth fund criminal and or militia paramilitary entities or for, foment a civil war scenario around you where you won't have any protection. So you've now gone from get rid of the government and you go, okay, is it better? And I get what you're saying. You know, you're into this federation or a cooperation, but now you find that you're just, what the remaining world around you starts to break apart. Well, federated is a new thing. You know, I, getting I have the a, ability I, to detach from centralized authority and, and centralized entities is the wave of the future. I have a couple of, I have a couple of questions. Right? Who, who protects you? Right now, hey, real quick, I got to dip out, guys. I got to go pick up my kid. I... All no right, problem, man. Really? Okay. take okay, care, brother. It's great talking to meet you, man. man. Take care, man. Awesome shirt. <laughs> who, uh, who, who protects yeah, you now? Good question. Good question, Steve. You know, I, I'm not trying to give you a smart ass answer, right? Well, no, 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 no. And, and I don't, I don't expect you to. And I'm not asking a, a smart ass question. I have yeah. a, 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 a direction that I'm going with. Yeah, this. no, 100%. But I, I have an answer for you. And let me answer it sort of obliquely, right? Right now, 
I do not have paramilitaries kicking my front door down. Right now, I am not dealing with the army of, of a foreign nation who have arrested my family or are about to arrest me. Right now, I am not up in trumped-up charges, been incarcerated on suspicion of some act against the state. Right now, I am not looking at a, a civil war uh, scenario outside my front door right now. Now, I'm using those as a purpose uh, example. In recent history, Steve, we've had that in in neighboring counties not too far from where I'm sitting in in the north of Ireland. So the the general point I'm trying to make, Steve, is right now, generally speaking, I can go to work. I can get off work at 5 o'clock. I can go home. I can sit here and talk to you. I can speak relatively freely. May may I enter enter Jack? Go ahead. This this would be a contrasting point to your zeal, but my, and again, this this might be controversial to say, or may not be, <laughs> depending on one's position, that there, the, for the state to exist, it must exist within a state of perpetual war. Either the war is exerted out externally to a foreign enemy, or within, again, within the absence of an external enemy, they must make of the domestic population an enemy for it yeah. to exist. If we, in the sense of war is as conflict, absolutely 100%. I, I, my whole point with that zeal was that you pay a protection fee to your government, yeah, every day, 100%. And so, it went to your point, if there was no government, we would have to pay some sort of insurance levy. You currently do that. Uh, and yeah. I don't, and I don't, I don't know where you live. I don't know where you live, where, where, where I live, or at least in the country that I live in, they arrested a 20 year old white SoundCloud rapper because his persona said some fucked up shit yeah. uh, on the internet one day. Now, uh, they, they currently, my government currently has locked away in the Guantanamo Bay of the United Kingdom an Australian journalist. Mm -hmm. My government has an Australian journalist locked up in a British maximum Mm -hmm. security prison Mm -hmm. because his outlet published low-level classified material a decade plus 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's what my country does. My, My country is currently in court over just how fucking censored they they've made the internet i am not allowed on major platforms because of the stuff that we discuss on on this show you know that that you're currently on i'm not allowed uh apple uh itunes youtube none they did with none huh so you know that's the the am, am i in jail for it not currently but i have had my truck burned down I've mm. been hacked a number of times. I've been unable to have a bank account. Mm. Yeah, there, there yeah. is significant. Can I, can, I, can I say something? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciate. I, I, I love everything I, I heard about. You know, this, um, the idea of government. You know, you've done some investigation in anarchy, I believe. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was hearing anarchy talk, and so I, you know, my heart beats faster. So, yeah, yeah these, these things, these things have been on paper. You know, Proudhon. I mean, for for almost two centuries now. There is a way, and uh, and everything you're mentioning about uh, 
as I said, you know, put yourself in the minds of the ones in charge and they're going to create strife when it suits them and everything they do, you know, they will do to protect, to protect their parasitical tenure, but they will, when we have to be ready for that. And as I said, uh, I don't think we are equipped to, we have to resist, we have to organize resistance in a, in a clever way and uh, everything else, you know, uh, They'll, they'll do, most of the platforms are proprietary, so they'll just exclude you in the best cases. If not, they'll just come and, and, and use force. Um, I, was, um, wanna, I wanted to float another thing. Um, it was exciting to have um, this, uh, and I thank you for inviting me to have this roundtable from uh, you know, across the pond. It's, I think it's the first time I'm ever, doing, I'm ever doing this, although I know I was born in the States and lived there for 25 years, but... I'm Italian anyway, and it was fun to have this thing between us. I think that, and going back to what I was um, also saying in another conversation we had, that we need to get organized. And uh, there's so much, uh, you know, equal sentiment uh, amongst so many of us. And uh, I would, what I would like to float is, can we start thinking about gathering in, in, in the flesh and start to discuss what to do? Because... We in Italy have a big group here, and I'm sure you all have too. And uh, not just about you know sociological analysis, and uh, but also about how to do things to create this escape from the cage. And uh, I don't know. I think it'd be about time that we start to, to meet and, and get organized yeah. on on the on on the ground. I mean, on the territory. So I don't know what you think. I mean, it's probably premature, but I think it's uh, it's a good idea if we start thinking of when we could have a gathering yeah don't you, don't you think steve if we're going to stay at your place can i crash on your couch <laughs> sure sure absolutely <laughs> and then, look just let me say let me say that for everybody on the panel and everybody well, you know it's a good time. idea man sorry to be i'm not trying to be flipping it is a great idea Guido. yeah come yeah. on man i absolutely pull up uh i i Almost all of our, if not all, all of our relationships, almost all of them, uh, are in a, a, a anarchistic in relationship. And by that, I mean anarchy is a relationship. It's not a location. It's not a state. It's it, you don't speak for me. I don't speak for you. And at no point are either of us going to monopolize violence in order to take what we want from you. There are better ways to do that. And if we really can't get along, chances are we've either by happenstance or by voluntary basis on, on both of our accounts associated so we can opt to disassociate. Almost every interaction we have already happens this way. In fact, it's almost only when something that the state has in, implemented itself into the the strife then gets yeah. caused that yeah. then the conflict arises mm. and there are almost always more nonviolent better less expensive ways to deal with your problems than with a third party entity that only exists via theft or extortion or a monopoly on violence in order to steal from you what it wants so that it can continue its perpetuation and expand itself. 
I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lisa. So I was just saying he's just uh, describing the, the court system, is he not? <laughs> oh, no doubt. But I was going to say that's another system of dependency, too, that people have. People think that they are protected by the law, Lisa, in this country. And you've seen that they are not. They're often, you know, uh, taken advantage of by the law. The law is often exploited, corrupt. exploited, uh, you know, maliciously and uh, viciously. Uh, Medically kidnapped and even murdered, Lisa. I mean, that's the thing. And these systems of dependency are what create these conflicts that we're talking about today. All of them. Like we're all relying upon the state for our protection. So they go to war. We're all relying upon, you know, the, the major telecom companies. So we, we, we use their technology, but then we're spied on by the NSA and intelligence agencies. You know, we, we're on Twitter, but then, you know, you, you become what Jabal Khashoggi became in the dissident. You know, there, there's there's all kinds of ways that we're dependent upon these things. And if we break from them and have independent um, platforms that proliferate, it's going to ease that type of uh, conflict, I believe. If you ask for protection, then then you got to obey. You can't have both, you know. Oh, absolutely. The teeth of the state, right? I mean, it's Lysander Spooner's type of stuff. Yeah, you want yeah, to be protected, then you can't complain if you're being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but all too often, even when you're not seeking protection, um, it'll assert itself to protect you anyway. <laughs> you know, exactly. this is, these are things that we voluntarily agreed to in mm -hmm. our lives. I never I never signed up for the state of Israel to have unrelenting support from the United States to bomb innocent women and children into into dust if they wanted to. And, and, and then we have our own representatives like Lindsey Graham coming out on television. And telling people that there are no limits, that we don't abide truthfully, we don't abide by any type of international law or standards or morals, that basically if somebody picks on us, we have every right to just evaporate them if we want to. I, I think as well, in terms of how the state perpetuates itself, it's really, it can all be boiled down to what we see uh, within, uh, it generates within its media this sort of uh, this facade of legitimacy, if you inspect that facade, pure, you know, behind the veneer of it, it all it's built on a foundation of fear, really. And what anarchism is, or, you know, anarchism in the sense of no rulers, it's really a declaration by people that they no longer are in fear. So therefore, they no longer need the state, uh, that they desire, and in, in, you know, independence, uh, full independence. So... And, and as you see, even in our so-called, you know, Republican styles of government, democracies, you know, uh, neoliberal democracies or whatever term, you know, the, the, the establishment wishes to use, they are all systems of, in essence, slavery or serfdom, just with right. different levels of illusion to hide the, the painful truth at the center of it all, you know. That's what I would say. So I, I think, yeah, you're right. Anarchism is, in essence, the only way. No rulers. Well, didn't no rulers. Scotland have, and Ireland too, like back in the day, didn't they all have systems that were set up that way and like a voluntary anarchist type of system? I've, I've heard people talk well, about you, this before. Yes, well, our, our, the Irish thing, like the nation state is a fairly new invention in Ireland. Like previously we had tribes and kings and 
regions yeah. under, you know under it was a you know a federation of sort of tribal areas i suppose or un, under various high kings and chieftains rather mm-hmm. but they had their own complex system of uh you know brehan law it was known as Yes. And their own complex system of of appointing chiefs and and the king, etc. And it, you know, I suppose it's probably a lot more along the lines of what you're describing. Yeah, you know, but I don't know. Man, we've melted into you know. You fast forward to the modern day; it's a nation state, and it, you know, I, I I don't like to say it because there's a bit of me, an old fashioned bit of me that believes in that system. But I've seen it is rotten to the core, right? So I don't have. I don't have the grounds to stand well, on. To... And who really owns the system? Somebody brought up central banks earlier, and like it's even been proposed that America itself is nothing but a corporation and owned mm-hmm. still by the the royal families and the banks that they're related to or a part of since like eighteen seventy four. Yep. No, so, even, uh, be- yeah. even before that, it, it was all all an illusion to begin with. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something. It's it's hard to even argue where the necessarily the turn began but i mean as as people of uh of, of europe i mean in your own respective nation states or countries i mean who do you think owns them and runs the show <laughs> i mean but we were discussing i believe in our last uh, our last conversation with guido uh, me and zeal and guido were discussing this idea of i believe the headless state or what seems to be you know Power always seems to try and veil itself. It doesn't. It wants to remain hidden. It wants to remain uh, obscured to the subordinates. Right? They do this to, again, maintain their own power. It's a sort of defensive mechanism, a self-preservation instinct. But uh, I believe Zeal can speak more to. He brought up the the, the point. Um, if you want to jump in, Zeal, on that, um, on that matter. Yeah, just. Like on very very broad brushstrokes, like the the George Orwell thing was was a picture of a you know a boot a boot down top down kind of a violent suppressive mechanism of of you know state control along the lines of Stalin, right? The Huxley model, the newer updated model, uh, you know, as Quote Huxley, he says you can do everything with bayonets except sit on them. So the problem they had was to maintain you know control with force was a huge drain on resources because you had to keep shooting people if, if effectively so the new model what that we're in now 2.0 the huxley version is first of all you disappear the top you get rid of it it doesn't exist anymore there's no stalin there's no hitler there's nobody up there it just doesn't exist like if you talk to your friends and you say they are in control they say you're you're a conspiracy theorist man there is no yeah. they. Who are you talking about, man? You know, there's nobody up there. There's nobody up because they d- purposely disappeared it. So in time, the concept will have just evaporated from the public mind. It won't exist. It won't be a they. Now, at the same time, exactly. At the same time, Steve, you bombard the populace on an ongoing basis with advanced psychological propaganda, you know, techniques, and you get them to believe that the only real power, and Guido has spoken about this, is them. They're the only real power there. So, so after a while, they they end up in this a bog, a bog of uh, no up and no down, and they're just totally bewildered, walking around in this mist. This so, is exactly what the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution paperwork 
is about. This is exactly what Klaus yeah. Schwab and those guys yeah. have been walking around for years and years and years. This is exactly what they mean when uh when they're like we are all stakeholders that is right up silas's alley for sure definitely when you bring that man up that's what that i mean that's but that's what that exact bullshit rap is that's what the stakeholder nonsense is that's what the commoditization of nature is we all own nature now that's why we can never go in it anymore and only view it through virtual reality that you fucking rent yeah 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 like the, the the major issue with all this stuff is that the masses have bought it you know the oh yeah we're in the minority well. we're we are the yeah. palestinians in an open-air prison i mean when yeah, it comes to that type of ideology to, i listen to this dude juxtaposition he, he talks a lot about uh hollywood and whatnot and, and as he says we're the lepers you know we're yeah. lepers now we we just are pariahs well it would have been and, way worse too if they would have put the mandates down and kept them I mean, our our stupid uh, Supreme Court and all the palatial uh, things that it does in itself and the 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 idea of judicial supremacy and even ha- having a toothless entity like that as part of our three branches of government even. But I mean, we we were almost to the point where we were all going to be living like Edgar Friendly from Demolition Man here, you know, in the sores yeah. eating rat burgers. Uh, because we we wouldn't be allowed into the system. We wouldn't be allowed into yeah. work. We wouldn't be allowed into grocery stores. And that ha- I, I saw the, the the pushback. I saw the pushback in places like maybe Guido, you can answer to this. Uh, I saw a great video during COVID of people in, in an Italian restaurant when the cops came in to shut it down. And they chased those cops out of there, man. The people stood up, all of them mm. in the restaurant and said, you get out of here. And mm. I've, I've never been more proud to, you know, even no Italian people. I'm not Italian myself, but it was just like, yes, thank you. Please. There it is. There's the energy that I want. I want so, that kind of energy out of people. You know, so, sometimes I wasn't, I wasn't in Italy then I was in LA, but I, I've heard of these stories, but overall the Italians were pretty much under the boot and completely sold to it. Very, but then well, there was, there was um, a, a core who resisted. And uh, I know them all <laughs> and uh, the, the organizers and yeah, yeah. But yeah, there were instances, but overall, Italy has been a testing ground for this thing. Uh, oh, yes. I, Giovanni Gentile, right? Yeah, Gentile, <laughs> like but I think, it, I think it's because of the Vatican. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave that one to you guys. I don't know that much about that. So yeah. do you want to expand on that? A little bit for us yeah yeah i uh I've, I've just written about this thing about uh this uh, on empire and church about how they uh it's a brief book about uh, how the u.s pretty much acquired the vatican it's one of its agencies now and they've been working at it for very long because uh pretty much it was the last piece of empire they didn't have uh it's a they, well, when you spend tur- all your money on fancy hats i mean that's gonna it's gonna happen <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it's 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 a strange thing, the Vatican, because it uh, it's a deterritorialized empire that controls a, a billion souls, and from the viewpoint of the Anglo-American Commonwealth, it's just perfectly unacceptable, right? And so they had to have that, and and they got it. Went, uh, so I told the story. Uh, there was some kind of um, you know middle middle of the road resistance from the pontificates of of uh, John Paul II and Ratzinger and Benedict XVI, who were kind of trying to resist, but not very effectively. And with, and with the abdication and the, um, you know, they stepping up on the, uh, on the throne of, um, of Francis, it was, they acquired it, it's theirs. 
So I think that the whole dynamic of, of COVID, which I have personally still not understood very well, but um, it, it was one of the most important uh, places where the uh, pandemic, as we know, uh, exploded. And, um, and soon after that, because it came from China, so they said we had the patient zero who, the airport in Milan, the story was. It's funny that it jumped over Russia and, and to be featured in Italy. And uh, as soon as that happened, it was... Echoed. I think it was dispersed that way, but that's a separate topic, maybe we'll cover another time. Yeah, another time. Inter no, I'd love to hear what you have, because I, I would, you know, I, I don't know. But so the story goes. And yeah, and immediately after that, it was echoed by the Pope, uh, who said, and we all remember that. Uh, that the vaccination is an act of love and starting celebrating these masses devoid of, of, of faithful. And the uh, symbolic impact and the message of that was enormous, right? It's like uh, it's the owners of the Vatican just snapped their fingers and the faithful were gone. So your billion faithful, where are they now? We corral them. Vaccinated. Right? <laughs> we, we corral them. So they, they told us exactly who's in charge. And um, so, yeah, yeah. And we were talking about this in our previous conversation. A lot of people, for a lot of people, the wake up time, COVID in Italy, and especially a lot of uh, Italian friends here, for them, COVID was, uh, was the moment. For a lot of us, maybe not necessarily older, 9-11 was. For me, it was. But anyway, mm -hmm. that's another story. Mm. Yeah, just a quick, to, a quick uh, observation. The psychological deep, you know, Huxley made this comment that, you know, the power structure of the future would appear would appeal to the faculty of man that was deeper than his rational sense and would would appeal to his deep deeper sensibility or sentiment deep within himself so i'd offer that uh in in the covid thing compliance is life to comply is to live that was the message to the public so non-compliance or any dissent was death. So hence why we are pariahs or lepers, because we're associated with death. So com to comply is to live. Now, the ultimate, to comply, you need a ritual act to demonstrate compliance. And the ultimate form of compliance is uh, submission. So hence the use of the needle, because the, the, on a deep level, the ultimate act of uh, submission is to submit to penetration so i think on some level this has hit the public the masses on a very deep yes. psychological level that they've submitted their bodies to a penetration and they have acknowledged this entire power structure as being parallel and in, intrinsically entwined with life with existence the with survival craft universal prima nocta right <laughs> yeah like, but it has a right to your body that yeah it's clever shit like if you pardon the expression because it's appeal it's appealing to some very deep uh you know deeply kind of deep structures of the mind or the heart or the or how we understand things on, on a sub rational kind of you know a lot I, I guess and a lot of this stuff is kind of i don't know freudian or you know it's subconscious it, biological level yeah, in, in many yeah. ways yeah same. But in an organizational mm. level, like Lisa Blanter, my friend here, has been fighting, you know, court guardianship and the court racket uh, for for years. And and, and it's uh, the guardianship is where they steal people from their own families. The state takes these people and makes them wards of the state. They mm. gobble up their money. They 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 divide their properties amongst their friends. 
Like they just they they come in when a family has a dispute, and then the state is there to settle it. So the state steps in and just takes over everything. And that's mm. that's a blueprint for what they're doing to all of us. We will all be wards mm. of the state if we allow this to continue. Mm. Like that's that's the the reason why I'm so glad that we were all here today talking about this stuff in an open and honest mm. conversation and, and in a forum like this on AM Wake Up and TMB. So no, it's an excellent point. Uh, we are globally wards of the state. That's the that's a, an objective, 100. percent The disintegration of the family unit, the the splitting, uh, the split, the, the the dialectics between men and women. The breakdown, any any and all available opportunities to fracture society on the grounds of race, religion, relationships. Didn't Yuri Bezmenov warn us about that like 30 odd years ago? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And uh, that's what you're up against. So that's what you're up against. And it boils down to every available resource to split brother against brother and to you know remove our shoulders from each other and the, stop us talking stop us standing side by side stop us having that basic uh human uh link and bond and uh, idea you know so so that's really the operation you know they want the, you they want you like it's as the fellow says that jesuit uh operation where you know anyone who's getting on well they'll split them up uh you know they'll try and poison the mood they'll make it toxic and and that that's the tactic, you know. It's it's low grade stuff. It's all low grade stuff because there's no real vision, there's no real creativity, there's no real energy in there. Like you know, and that's their weak point. That's the Achilles heel because it's all they're all kind of meddling around, you know, in in the muck and the excrement, the the of the the black hole sun, you know. Well, that's the, why the bad kids at the back of the class. You know, when we're forced yeah. into this Prussian model, right? The bad yeah. kids at the back of the class like us that speak out and, and make the yeah. teacher look like less of an authority figure. Yeah, that's yeah, why we're yeah. the weapon they fear, mm-hmm. my brother. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, that's why we are pariahs, you know, because we're dangerous. Ultimately, we're actually dangerous. And we're not dangerous from stupid, petty, violent acts uh, that we see. We're actually the real danger, which is to undermine the existing system and or create a new system. And generate the type of energy necessary to do that. So on, that's on that, the real force that they've on, on that point, uh, if we think of this system, and I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, Six, but just really quickly, if we think of this system as a body, you you know, you have the again, this is sort of partially taken from what George Bataille was saying, just because I've been viewing his work recently. The the fleshy part of the system would be the population. Uh, that is that clings to the the bony uh, proliferations, as he states, the the industry, which the proceeds living mass on the body too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he Big misses disorder. out. He misses out the fundamental uh, thing under that, which is the nervous system leading up to the the central, you know, the the, the command and control center, uh, the brain. So this nervous system, we can think of that within the civilizational context is the pathogenic idea of legitimacy to the to the brain to the system right that it controls the growth and decay of the flesh and the bone so in essence like what you were saying zeal that we are sort of uh, viewed as a force of death but in many ways they're correct because what we're doing now is either we know it or we don't is we're attempting to destroy the system to then bring rebirth to it 
So it's this old poem comes to mind. I forget who it is now. It stated this, but death stated to life. Why do people love you more than me? And life stated, because I am the beautiful lie, but death is the painful truth. So in, in many ways, that is at the crux of, of everything that we're discussing here today. Anarchism would bring about the death of the system because the system is based upon rigid hierarchy, that Prussian model. Mm. To bring the death of the system is to unfree the shackles. And again, we don't have to do that directly, as Guido stated, because to do that directly, the, the system wants that. It absorbs oh, yeah. that. It grows fat upon resistance. Mm, yeah. So what we must do is infect the nervous system via memetics, via, again, instituting our own pathogenic idea, an idea of freedom, where mm. they seek to fracture society. We seek to piece back, uh, piece the part, uh, put the pieces back together. Mm. Um, so I, I think, it, again, it's view, we have to view ourselves as steersmen. We're not attempting mm. to stop the buffalo run, the stampede, mm. the chaotic momentum. We're attempting to steer it. And yeah, I, I think that's a seismic shift we've got to have in terms of our own uh, part mm. to play within this sort of historical mm. moment. Yeah, well, and Silas, to your point there, uh, something I picked up when I took judo as a kid um, is that you can use the opposing force coming at you against them. Perfect, so yeah. as, as they advance us, we're able to flip them and put them on their ass. And there's ways to do that. And I'll, I'll take this opportunity to thank the producers here at AM Wake Up and TMP. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out to everybody that gave us some super rays today on Rockfin. Uh, we got Peace Pirate on there uh, who tipped us and said thank you for having uh, uh, as well as sharing this conversation. Peace and thanks to all. Thank you, Peace Pirate there. Uh, we have a request from Death to Tyrants for me to take over um, the uh, chat here from Steve and Ban Banjos, but I, I have no power uh, to do that here. Uh, I haven't been given those uh, administrative abilities yet. I would like uh, to remind Death to Tyrants that he has no power here. And, and he's on double secret probation now. <laughs> I don't, it's not that he's on double secret probation or anything. You can't really hold him to that when, no. you know. That everybody's here voluntarily in the first yes, place. Yes. It's just, it's, I mean, look, it's not enough people are, are pointing and laughing at that guy. And I think perhaps that's what, what is in order more so than any sort of, you know, probation or banning or anything like that. It's just a little bit more open mockery. That's all. <laughs> But uh, and Steve, uh, do you, do you want to thank anybody else and thank the producers before we get going, man? I want to start wrapping some things up. I'm not sure how long our friends could hang and how long you could be here, but uh, we ran a little bit over one this time. But you know, I'm, I'm happy to have this conversation with everybody. I'm happy that we took this time to do this today, man. Thank you for oh, having us again. Yeah, no, I if you guys want to go over time, I don't give a shit. I'm be okay. in and out for sure, but I, you know, um, it, and when I can pop in, I will. We've been going over basically every day this week anyway. Uh, so it uh, doesn't, you know. I, I, may, I may have to drop out here. No uh, it's yeah. been an absolutely fantastic conversation. Yeah, absolutely. let people know where they can find you and your work, Silas. All I have all your links in the description, but if you just want to listen yeah. to it for people listening. or Yeah, talk, um, you, can, you can find me on 
you can find my my books. Well, you can email me at silasspeaks at gmail.com. Um, that's my email. My book is Rise and Fall, A Discourse Upon the Phenomena of Civilization and uh, Decline. And you can also find me on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and YouTube uh, just via Silas Speaks. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come right up if you put that in the, the search uh, the search box. Silas, my friend, we're going to have to have you back a, a, a lot more. Uh, I just, I always enjoy talking to you and uh, our, our correspondence back and forth these past few months. Uh, I'm glad that we can get you here on TMP Live. And uh, we're, yeah, we'll definitely have to do this again, man. I love hearing from you. So thanks for being here, my friend. No, it's no problem, man. Definitely. Definitely. Same oh, and I don't know if you gave a shout to Peace show? Pirate on the Rock Fan or not. Sick. I did. But, I did. Uh, yes, I made sure to. And yeah, then we also yeah. had some people last week that um, that did some super rays, and there was some kind of technical gremlin glitch, as usual, where uh, we got a nice tip from Freethinker saying, "Thank you, number six, for a great show. It was awesome, man. Great guests. Love Miriam, Charlie, and Guard so much." And then Tuggernaut tipped a hundred bucks. Tuggernaut. Awesome. So, um, also, let me thank uh, Debbie Wilson, who hit up the cash app yesterday and uh, stoked to hear that Debbie made it back home to Mexico and all that kind of good stuff. Got there safe and sound. May, may I just say as well, I really recommend Guido's work. Um, if you want to give a, a shameless pr <laughs> plug <laughs> to your work, Guido, I really recommend uh, people follow his work. Here, 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 here. Here, thank here. you, thank you all. Thank you, Silas. Thank you for for the conversation. Thank you, Six. And uh, I've written in the chat box uh, my website for that I've just launched. It has to be developed. My books are on Amazon, and uh, for now. And uh, yeah, that I is. just look forward to continue the conversation. As I said, I love to connect uh, uh, live uh, with all of you sometime soon. I hope and uh, get to. Um, you know, get to get Europe and the U.S. together on this project to see if we can do something together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, and I think that uh, independent publishing is another parallel that we need to develop more because the major publishing companies and distribution models are terrible and they are censorious. Um, we've seen a lot of that over the past several years uh, during COVID uh, and, and even during like we had Arthur's on this week uh, talking about what happened in Lahaina on AM Wake Up, uh, Shelby. Uh, has written a book about that called Burn Back Better, which I'm sure you all could appreciate that uh, as a title. <laughs> cool, darling. Yes. But um, yeah, I really appreciate all the independent media and and the things that you guys are able to produce. And Guido, you have a tremendous amount of work out there uh, for people to look into as well. So I've included all the links to uh, uh, where people can find in the States, uh, all of Thank the you. Amazon links to your books and stuff like that. Thank and you. um yeah and also a question you you wrote an afterword for sean stone what, I did, how did yeah. how did you make that connection that that that's something that popped up i was like oh damn yeah and Silas, know, if you have to drop out brother it's cool man you don't have to hang if you have to no i was just put in contact by uh by a friend of his uh who had read conjuring hitler and he had read it too and then was happy to yeah and uh yeah and that essay i i kind of put it together in the book on the church. It was, uh, it was that. And I, uh, and the follow-up to that was just made this new little booklet on, on the whole church story. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what it was. Well, I'm a noob when it comes to a lot of the esoteric stuff and I'm trying to put together an interview with uh, Fritz Springmeier. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that name. 
but uh, it's something no. a listener contacted me about that uh, Fritz is, has been around since like uh, around the times of like Eustace Mullins and people of that nature. So um, what's his last then, name? Uh, Fritz Springmeyer. I'll, I'll put uh, I'll put it in the chat. Yeah. Okay. So you have the spelling and everything correct. But yeah, he's written books about bloodlines and things of that nature that really interests me. And it's mm. just it's one of those things where it's one of those rabbit holes where if you're going to go down it, man, you mm -hmm. can go pretty hard. So it's it's it's, sure. it's a time. And, and it's it's also and I've referred to it as this often on the show is that it's, it's almost like a daily practice, right? To like look into these types of things. Like, do you mm -hmm. have a, a sort of a, like a pattern throughout your days that where you get to things like this? And how do you compartmentalize that uh, with right. the rest of existence in life these days, too? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I do the same. I'm focused on it all the time. So, yeah. yeah. Troy, a quick, a quick observation. Like, I, Guido for me is like someone I need to study more of and because I know he's got the meat. He understands the game because he's like, he won't like me describing his, him as an academic because he doesn't necessarily associate with that world or identify with it rather. But he understands that postmodern, like, there's a whole philosophical, psychological train of thinking here that goes back a, however long, a couple of hundred years or more. And Guido has the inside track on that stuff and how it manifests in, in the power order, I think. Right. My understanding. So it's like when you ask the question about spending time trying to understand this stuff, like people would do well to try and educate themselves if they're not already aware. And this is directed at myself as much as anyone else. I'm not trying to sound like, you know, I know and every, you know, but stuff like postmodernism, post-structuralism, Georges Bataille, Foucault, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. These academics, and um, you know, that have ha developed a lot of the the train the train of thought in and around this stuff. And you Sartre know, had a case of a bug eyes, didn't he? You know, hell of a case of the bug eyes. Perhaps, <laughs> but like it's it's it's, it's kind of like you're going <laughs> from you know, look at not to sound like again like a smart ass, but you start off huh. wondering what temperature do steel beams melt at, and mm. you end up looking at postmodern intellectuals in in the twentieth century. Yeah. And that's where your that's where the game is, I think, because you're moving away from McDonald's and you're eating, you know, you're eating steak and caviar. That's that's where it needs because that's what they're the way they're playing it. They're at that level. They understand how the human mind thinks, and they've developed a rationalization of philosophical, uh, you know, structure under their thinking. Well, for the so lay people why... in the audience, didn't Sartre wasn't he like part of like the communist revolution in like Europe and America when it came to that stuff, and then also and never really like separated himself from it, and then ultimately believed that the identity politics was to replace the class warfare of the day, and yeah. then just have endless bloodshed and cycles yeah. of that nature. Guido, be give you. A better answer now than i would on that i, I should go on guido perhaps uh, who is this we're talking about i started search oh south you know south i don't think south has been that important for uh, american intelli intelligentsia and uh, assembling uh, the politics of diversity and critical theory foucault was the one yeah and yeah uh, it's, it's a long story i told them uh, yeah but i uh, guido as well is yeah, Bataille, of course. Yeah, yeah. Foucault completely. Bataille is is Bataille was a genius, is an, just a disturbing guy. But he was a, uh, and and Foucault plagiarized him, and um, and then uh, 
American producers saw something there and assembled it, assembled it from from that, from the things that Foucault came up with to yeah, just to. Um, so did. Like, her Go ahead. So you're absolutely correct, and so did Herbert Marcuse. Marcuse, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the Frankfurt School. Who, yeah, well, Marcuse came from the OSS to the university system. Right. Yeah, they tell and there's that connection with the CIA, yeah. All of but, the people from the right-wing media space that correctly point to Marcuse as one of the people uh, who were like the godfathers of this critical theory, woke nonsense shit that Angela mm -hmm. Davis, that everybody else points to as like a mentor and guiding light and all that shit. Yeah. Never mentioned the intelligence. No, no, but, but the story, the connection to Foucault Bataille is, is intriguing because Bataille was was a, was an artist and he was an an, an avowed uh, devil worshiper that wanted to mm. reinstate a cult of human sacrifice. I mean, that's mm. an extraordinary story. Mm. And out of his critique, he was a very talented sociologist. Out of his critique of modernity, which Foucault plagiarized, the U.S. found a way of replacing the old obsolete Marxian lingo. With this clash of race and ethnicity without any yes. issue, yeah, uh, and it came off from that. It's a, it's a, it's a new neo French neo Gnostic con construct, and uh, yeah. it's an incredible story. And and now nobody knows those names anymore. Yes, it doesn't yes, matter. Yes. And the thing yeah. has taken a life of its own. Yeah. So it's a great it's a great story. It's a great story. And sort of, if I remember correctly, I think he was more of the bridge between the existentialists and the postmodernists. You know, so that's that, that, yes, I mean, that's yeah. that's correct. Yeah. Okay. So in a way, yeah, in a way. Although he didn't like the uh, existentialists too much, but he frequented those circles in the Paris of the 50s. Mm -hmm. But Bataille is, Bataille is worth reading. Not his pornography, which is really bleak, but uh, but his sociology is, is, is good. It's very good. The uh, the accursed share is... Yeah. Is, Guido, can I ask you, is there a link between Georges Bataille and Alexander Dugan, the Russian... Dark philosopher. Uh, yeah, Dugan, yeah, Dugan is a yeah. Dugan cites Foucault approvingly, so yeah, there is. Yeah, I yeah. think so. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. yeah, yeah. And is there a fundamental flaw in in all this philosophical thinking that's is anti logos or anti -natu natural law that it's somehow subjective, perverse? Well, and... yeah, we we could talk for hours. If there's one thing, sure, it's pro. It's it's a it's a worship of of carnage and violence. What what Bataille called the sovereign way. Mm. You know, he, uh, these guys were lamenting the old ways of torturing. Now all this uh, aseptic way of doing things and lethal injection, that's not the way to do it. You're supposed mm -hmm. to cut heads. You're supposed to see blood squirting and, and yeah, feces right. and secretions. That's yes, the yes, modern yes. way. Yes. Modern way has, you know, puritanized all that. And it's just, okay. that's the true pornography in their eye. So these guys, these, you know, really French... Uh, uh, edge uh, somber types of, uh, of philosophers have become the inspirers of real state planned American discourse. Uh, yeah, Imagine yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's, yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, fascinating. It becomes a dark art, like it's a kind of a fashionable bourgeois expression of uh, I don't know what you know, of, of subjectivity, like they're beyond morality. It's beyond yeah, the yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, but it's an endless, you know, it's an endless forge of myth-making, just stories. Yes. Story about, stories about our origins, which are mysterious. We don't know where the hell we come from. And so, you know, and then, then uh, all's fair. And then mm. who tells the best, the best story?
Yes, Batai's yes, stories yes. is crazy with with his headless god and all that. Yeah, yeah. But you yeah. know, it's a good story. Crazy Ooh. as it is, it's not crazier than the other story we hear. We hear now. You've got Yuval Noah Harari yeah. running around saying that AI is the new religion and that sure. you know, people are going to that's going to replace previous supernatural belief systems yeah. because AI is going to quote unquote be able to prove things that you know people traditionally have looked to religion and placed their belief or their faith into because you previously couldn't mm. and that's yeah. weird to to consider in the first place yeah but think what they've done with political correctness in 40 years they've yeah. erected into a system of inquisition the yeah. power of which i mean has has nothing like i mean unprecedented Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 uh, I always say, don't do never underestimate the enemy because he's he's, yeah. he's powerful and he's he's resourceful and very, very, um, yeah, he's very creative. That's the mm. problem. Somebody, mm. I think it was you, Zio, that brought up Bruce Lee earlier. That never lower your eyes to an enemy, right? That's a important. Yeah, it's a, as, you know, as you're saying there, like it's it's this creative thing, but like the the money is sort of always on that it's 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 necessarily top down. It's it becomes destructive, so that the final, the final, like you have the final sort of impetus of creativity over them, even if it's by a matter of one degree, you still win the battle because they're affected. They're too much in the muck. They're too much in the excrement and that dark swill. So eventually you come out on top because, you know, natural law is on your side. The, you know, the yeah. fractal of the, of the divine is in you sort of thing. And, and so and that's, you know, the, that's a good point. And if, and if there's chance and another part where we can start to compete, but we, there's, there's lots of work to be done is on the creative side. We can tell a better story, but we gotta, we gotta, yes. we gotta roll up our sleeves. We're still not there yet. They're, they're better than they are. They're better than us right now. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, but but you know we gotta we we gotta flex our muscles and start training, and we can, we we, yeah. we have to try. Well, so like that, I was watching that interview with Carlos Hathcock, that sniper in the Vietnam War, and White Feather, the, v the Viet Cong used to refer to him, and he his thing was, uh, when you go into the jungle, uh, you got to think that you're better than the other guy, and he says, regardless of what's going to happen, you have to think that way. So we, we've got to hold that belief that we are ultimately better than him. And we're just as good as him. We're just as smart as them. And, you know, it's just we, well, we, we're, we're getting our head around. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> we got to We got to work, though. There's lots of work to be done. But that's, sure. we should we should try for sure. Well, let me before we wrap things up, because we, we've gone over a little bit and I don't want to keep you guys all night because I'm sure it's getting late over on your end now. Um, but um, what I wanted to throw out there is, is that if you were to give people sort of a starting point, okay, because I, I, I fell into this through a weird way through music, learning how to, uh, you know, record and produce music, led me into podcasting, it gave me an easy branch into that. I've always been a bullshitter. So I could talk to anybody for days about anything. I'm sure the audience has noticed. But, um, you know, for me, like the one of the things that really like, kind of jumped me into the into this realm was adam curtis's hypernormalization, which was a documentary mm. um that's what really started to get me back into being concerned about modern politics and culture and socialization behavioral psychology all of this stuff that we talked about today
But again, after you see something like that and you get woken up by something, quote unquote, like that, what do you do with that? You know, like what you just go out, you don't go out on the sidewalk with a sign and just be like, hey, the rest of the world is all bullshit. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's kind of hard to tackle that, you know, just on your own. So, like, what what would be your your starting place, you know, for where we start to recover or take back or whatever our own individual purpose in the, in all of this? Well, personally, I, we have to just figure out what the most important myths for the system are, the most important stories, and uh, whatever they are, and then figure out the most important. So, I don't know, up until, up until a certain time, and I still think, say, the narratives, what they call the narratives, and uh, get to study and debunk them one by one. Mm. That's mm. what I would do. My, my quick one on it is the self to... You know, go through your own Phoenix moment, burn away the impurities that have been put into you by that system that have been inculcated into you through popular culture, through belief systems, through assumptions that you had about yourself and the world around you and remove those, shed that skin of the old self and reconstitute yourself as a human being away from all of this, you know, muck and filth and deception so the first thing and the last thing probably is the self where do you stand in it all who are you really you know if you're outside of your nation outside of your culture as a human being when you strip away all that what's left and you know you you may have to remove you know 46.5 percent of yourself and you're left with this entity that is a purer version of you and when you get to that boil down version then you begin to reconstruct yourself in in some sort of a vision and perhaps that's where the new society will be comp comprised of such individuals yeah it definitely comes back to the individual and the the idea if there are any if there is anything right and moral in the world it begins at the the single self it begins at us it begins liberty begins at life mm. you know as, as soon as you're given that that power of, of life in itself in your being um, that's what embodies you know, the independence um, and those those rights and, and things to you. And, and then everyone else around us, if we're going to have like a civilized society, that we should at least if we're going to abide by anything, you know, that we should abide by those those rules, those natural laws. But I think that we we get further, as we've pointed out in this conversation, is that as the mainstream takes hold and the, the corporatization and the conglomeratization of, mm -hmm. of people's understanding through media through education mm -hmm. and i'm Guido, i'm sure you can go ham on academia and all the damage that that's done and yes. continues to do um you know th that you know really like for for anybody that's listening out there i mean i i don't necessarily drape myself any type of label um but i do believe in the, the redemption of people i don't know if that makes me a christian mm -hmm. but i do think that people can be redeemed i believe that mm -hmm. if, if we fall down just like in a mosh pit it's yeah. the responsibility yeah. of the people around you to pick your ass up and to make sure that you yeah. don't get stepped on so yeah, yeah. and i think we've done that for people today when it comes to individuality i mm -hmm. think that that's what shows like this aim to do is that the people the individuals out there that are knocked down we pick yes. them up 100 percent. yeah 100 percent and there's room for every, everyone who's got a, a feeling or a vision for a better world or a better version of themselves that's you know there's room there and and you know i don't think it's any harm to use that type of emotive language because that's what they use they're always pulling at their heartstrings or the fear strings you know so i think you know don't stop dreaming 
Don't let them stop you dreaming. Keep believing and keep fighting for the thing, you know. Keep that vision in your mind. No matter what the hell they, happens, do not let go of that because that's that that warrior instinct in you keeps you pulsing. And as long as that is alive in whatever corner, it's it's uh, it is an unstoppable force, and they'll always have to contend with it. You know. Well, um, I, I think it's a good point right now to start wrapping things some things up. Um, does anybody else want to give out where they can be found and stuff? Uh, I'm going to sign off for Lisa here. She's having some connection issues. But uh, Zeal, I don't have any other information from you, my friend. Do you do the social media thing? I don't exist. Do I don't exist. I don't hey. exist, man. That, I'm a maybe that's a better boss. way to be. You know, you you yeah. could be more effective that way. In, in, well, in I kind of like change, it, man. Right? You know, I, I talk yeah. I talk through Silas's server, and Guido has been a gentleman. Okay. We reached out to him, and he's, he he spoke to us. We're really, so delighted. That's the time. gilded server, right? I need yeah, to get on that stuff, dude. I need to if, get into the that easiest server. way to look at I'm it's Silas. Yeah. If you go to Silas Speaks, that's Silas's mm -hmm. channel on YouTube, and you yes. click on any one of his videos, it'll give you all the links to his various servers, yep. like his gilded server and his Discord server. And that's where there's a bunch of us hang out on there. Uh, there's people from America, Australia, from Europe, England, Scotland, Ireland, everywhere, and we just Canada, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and we just kind of hang out there. If you've got an opinion or a point of view, you want to trash something out, whatever, you know, sometimes we speak online. So if you get on to Silas, Silas Speaks YouTube, look for the links, click in there, and you're welcome to come on board. We would love to have you, and you're more than welcome. Awesome. We don't do violence. We're not anti-Semites. We don't do hate. We're yeah, people who, who, who think about things. We want to understand the world around us. Thank you. Well, it's hard enough out there, and then it just you know, for someone like Silas or myself, where we have our work on BitChute and platforms like that, probably one of the first things that any lay person would notice if they jumped onto those platforms is the amount of like hatred towards Jewish people. <laughs> well, it, on on a point, like you know, the minute you hit that button, they've got you right where they want you. Yeah, man, you they fell want for you it. Hating, they want you hating a, a religious group all day long. You're playing right into their hands. And they're behind the shadows. Don't forget, behind the curtains all the time. And a religious group that the, the people bitching about them and the people that are even part of that identity group don't even really understand the history of. <laughs> the deeper problem is behind the curtain. And it'll, it'll put on any, any overcoat it wants to get you to fool you, including, you know, race, religion, creed, color, nationality. They're just overcoats. So I think we, you know, I strongly recommend people to look behind what they're presented with. Not just in terms of modern data, modern information, but even historical. You got to look behind it because if you pounce, they know you're going to pounce. They're as, as as Guido says, they're they're chess masters. They've calculated your next five moves. They know you're going to pick one of five, and they've got they've got they've appointed. You know, he's definitely going to number four is the one he's going to go for, or she's going to go for. So they know the story. You know, the, the you know so so be very careful. Be very careful. I was down in Jerusalem. A couple of years ago, you know, the taxi driver was, was a Jewish-Israeli guy. He had nothing to do with the war. You know, the girl who served me in the restaurant served me coffee. She has nothing to do with the war. The old Jewish guy I, I talked to, the Orthodox guy I talked to, you know, the guy at the Western Wall who I went in through the security thing. He says, where are you from? I says, I'm Irish. She goes, I love the Irish. You're tough. He says, you're tough. I got on, got on great with him. They're, those people are not trying to fuck us over. That's the TV is trying to get you to believe that. Oh yeah, you know, it's the same as sports teams. You know, yeah. I, I come from a, I come from a region of the United States where people will fist fight each other in bars over their jerseys. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, and it's just one of those things where it's just, if you go to all the different towns throughout the Northeast where I'm from, they're all the same, brother. They, they're all, they're all the, 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 the mill or the plant moved out of town. Uh, you know, everyone's on uh, hillbilly heroin or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ever see the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia, Steve, you could probably speak to that kind of vibe. You know, what Boy, happens man. in these little towns? <laughs> I feel profiled. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I do. If I could, if I could interject and and Please. hijack uh, for I don't know, let's say a couple of minutes. Um, yeah. There, the great Tom Lehrer, uh, who was around in the 50s, 60s, 70s, as just kind of a, a comic, uh, you know, piano player ended up getting aired on the Dr. Domeno show. And then later in life wrote music for like uh, children's television workshop and the animaniacs way back in the day uh, did a, a song about something that the government at the time was trying to pass and promote that went out of existence. Oh, She's 20 some years ago now, I think six. I don't know if if you'll indulge me and, and put that up or I can screen share too. Uh, you could click on that. It's entirely up to you. Oh, I got it. Boom. There we go. And uh, if you want to hit play on the deal, I'll, I'll mute because I think you have control over the player. Yes. Oh, I do. Yeah, it won't let me play something that's on your screen if I'm sharing it unless I'm allowed to. Be oh, I see that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right, right, right. Here, let me mute me. Here is designated National Brotherhood Week. This is just one of many such weeks honoring various worthy causes. One of my favorites is National Make Fun of the Handicapped Week, which, uh, which Frank Fontaine and Jerry Lewis are in charge of, as you know. During National Brotherhood Week, various special events are arranged to drive home the message of brotherhood. This year, for example, on the first day of the week, Malcolm X was killed, which gives you an idea of how effective the whole thing is. (laughs) I'm sure we all agree that we ought to love one another, and I know there are people in the world who do not love their fellow human beings, and I hate people like that. (laughs) Here's a song about National Brotherhood Week. The white folks hate the black folks, and the black folks hate the white folks. To hate all but the right folks is an old established rule. But during National Brotherhood Week, National Brotherhood Week, Lena Horn and Sheriff Clark are dancing cheek to cheek. It's fun to eulogize the people you despise as long as you don't let them in your school. hate the rich folks and the rich folks hate the poor folks all of my folks hate all of your folks it's american as apple pie but during national brotherhood week national brotherhood week new yorkers love the puerto ricans cause it's very chic step up and shake the hand of someone you can't stand you can tolerate him if you try 
Protestants hate the Catholics, and the Catholics hate the Protestants, and the Hindus hate the Muslims, and everybody hates the Jews. But during National Brotherhood Week, National Brotherhood Week, it's national. Everyone smile at one anotherhood week. Be nice to people who are inferior to you. It's only for a week, so have no fear. Be grateful that it doesn't last all year. Yes, thank you, Steve. And huge shout out to Tuggernaut again for another uh, super ray. I uh, appreciate that. So. Oh, heck yeah. Absolutely. The, I think that's, we summoned, that's a good we summoned him. We summoned yeah. or her. I don't know. I don't judge. Well, I'm not here yeah. for that. Or who knows what they're tugging on. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it either way, Steve. Right. It's, you know, that's how we get down. Right. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been great talking to everybody here today. Thank you, Guido. Thank you, Zuberg. Uh, huge shout right. out to Silas for being here as well. Uh, been following his stuff for a while. Definitely go check out, out Silas and subscribe to uh, his channels um, everywhere that he's at because you never know one it, it, he could be kicked off of, you know, here and there, or one that could just completely collapse like Odyssey and others. So uh, definitely back up uh, your subscriptions there by being on several platforms. And then also check out Guido's work, which you'll find in the descriptions of these videos. And please tune in Monday for more glorious AM wake up. Uh, coverage of all the things going on in this crazy world that we've been talking about today. So, Thanks Steve, again. you want to add anything as we uh, wrap up? Man, sorry to step on you, Guido. Yeah. Well, um, you know, uh, Andy Rouse from the Deep Share will be on with us on Monday. Um, yeah, it's going to be a, a fascinating conversation. Really looking forward to that. I'll be on the Critical Hour with uh, Dr. Wilmer Leon and Garland Nixon here in about. I don't know, in, in a little over an hour uh, on the Sputnik Radio Rumble, um, which is apparently a thing. We do it live now, so I can't say any swear words because it's it's PG-13 radio. Do you want to uh, get any out of your system before we wrap here? Just... I'm not pretty good at it at this point, although I do before every show. I just walk out into the middle of the street and I just scream all of Carlin's seven words. Yes. <laughs> top of my lungs. I just go out and I, I belt it out and then I come back in and I do, I do radio. But, um, so that I think we're doing a slow news day this Sunday. Um, so check that out on the slow news day, uh, rock We are streaming those on, uh, the, the AM wake up rumble channel too. Um, yeah. And I don't know, man, you guys rock. Thanks for, thanks for doing Fridays. Um, we're we're hoping to work something out with the good folks over at freeworld.fm uh billy ray valentine tony arterburn uh trying to to work on some live radio broadcasting over there chris is gonna have his show up and running over there so look forward to more of those announcements as always uh it's a value for value gig so if you're in a position to contribute and support independent media, please do consider this show. Uh, the direct donate links are in most of the descriptions. Uh, amwakeupshow.com for everything. Shout outs to everybody who helps make the show go around and produce it. You guys fucking rock. I love you. Um, and thanks again, Six and, and Lisa. Thanks, Steve. Together. Yeah, man, you got it. And then uh, just for everybody that's new to listening, um, those are indeed chickens that you're hearing in the background i don't have that kind of sound effect uh, built into this yet 
So, but um, yeah, those are those are those are our chickens, and they're pissed that they're not inside. We have one that will only lay eggs inside, either on my feet or on the laundry pile. I'm not sure what that says about yeah. my feet, but <laughs> I mean, all right, thank you, everybody. Place. Till next time. Till next right. time. Thank you, guys, well. and um, until we meet again, until we are free, we are the new prisoners. See you all next week. Bye bye.